Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by AssholeConsulting.com, Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. Your host, Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Hello, it is the Clary Podcast. How are you people? It is. It has been crappy. We're supposed to get two days, two beautiful days. It was supposed to be 70s and sunny, and none of that happened. Our arch rivals, uh, who are superior to us because they at least voted in Scott Walker and Minnesota is filled with a bunch of retards. So God actually does uh, punish us, the uh, punish the deserving. Uh, we got absolutely no sun, uh, whereas Wisconsin did. You went right across where there was. There was across the St. Croix. It was all shiny and summery and nice. And um, as you know, I pride myself. I'm getting my summer vehicles ready, get the moped out, get the motorcycle out, get everything, you know, oil changes, batteries all charged, get the trickle charged, so that when that first nice day comes out, when that first nice day, it's the day that you look forward to, like, when you're sick, you know, oh, I'm sick, and you say, oh, man, you start to appreciate feeling normal, you don't realize how awesome it is just to feel normal and not worry about it. That when you get right back to that level of health, you forgot that you were sick. That's like the type where you look forward to that day where it's 70 degree day and you could take out your motorcycles or your convertibles or whatever other your toys you got to go on the boat. And uh, so me and boating is huge in Minnesota, as you guys know. And so me and all the motorcycle riders and all the convertible drivers and all the boat owners uh, were summarily let down this weekend because it was just cloudy, and now the rain's moving in. Uh, the rain is, and I was driving my motorcycle around. Th- it's just, it was a chore. Now it was just a chore. It's like, okay, you charge them up. I checked oil. For some reason, um, both motorcycles did not need oil changes. I, I started uh, draining one of the motorcycles. I went, oh, that's clean oil. I put the plug right back in, added a little bit more. Um. But it, it was just a chore. Yeah, it was warm enough to ride, but it was cloudy. Eh, eh. But you might as well ride because it's it's only one thing to do oil changes and charge batteries. You got to check tire pressure, make sure everything's fine, tighten the chain. And yeah, just, just give it the old trial run, drive it around, drive it around for at least an hour. It was just a chore. It wasn't fun at all. It was not fun at all. And uh, yeah, and now... Uh, the old GF is coming back, but unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to see her because it's been so cloudy and crappy. It's just like Seattle. Seattle, of which in the past six months has only had nine days of sun, so I guess no wonder you people thought Kirk Cocaine was uh, was good and you guys should kill yourselves. No one's cheering on Seattle. If you're always... <laughs> you want to talk about towns that nobody really likes or cheers on. You're also about yourselves. It's New York, Seattle, and San Francisco, and Portland. I guess we could throw Portland in there. You guys have pride in communities that have nothing to be proud of. Uh, and, and a lot of us just wish you would kill yourselves. A lot of us are like, oh, massive suicides in Seattle. No one in the rest of the United States would give a crap. No one would care. We'd be like, oh, that's too bad. 
Oh, that, that's, that's, oh, shucks. Darn. Half the population of Seattle killed itself? Well, maybe now we can actually drive on those roads. Maybe Pioneer Square will not be infected with tetanus, herpes, and syphilis. Maybe the spoiled kids from Mercer Island won't go over to Pioneer Square and beg for other people's strangers' money and complain about capitalism while they live off of Boeing and Microsoft parents' salaries. And Portland, that's just, that's just that was like Philadelphia. Portland was like Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. I don't, I don't have to visit Portland to know I'm not going to like it. I, I, I've never been to Portland, never. And I don't want to be in a, I don't want to go. Do not care to go. I'm not interested in Portland. Don't care to go to Portland. Like Philadelphia, I know I wouldn't like Philadelphia. I, I know I'd like Philadelphia more than I'd like Portland. Um, but yeah, I just, I have no desire. And, and you too, you too, you guys over there in Portland who just think coffee is all, you can, you can have world's, world's GDP according to leftists, but especially Portlanders would be coffee, teachers, professors, in schools. Oh, in healthcare. There'd be no cars. There'd be no manufacturing. There'd be no farmers. There'd be no iron ore. There'd be no like. There'd be nothing. There'd be nothing. But in their magical world, when they when the left says, "We're going to invest," they invest in things that aren't investments. Things that lose money. Education, healthcare for old poor people who, by all Darwinistic survival of the fittest nature type laws would never have been alive anyway, would have been dead long ago, and will continue to consume more resources than they produce, and be a blight upon the rest of us. Bike paths, public transportation that nobody uses. We're investing, and we're investing in women and children and minorities. We're just investing. Uh, do, do kids pay dividends? Are we, are we going to ship them to the coal mines? What are the kids always investing in? Matter of fact, you're almost guaranteed investing in old people's health and children. You're not going to get a rate of return on that. You're just keeping old people alive longer who should have ever been alive in the first place. And if the laughable leftist indoctrination BS that you call, you know, public school education, you call that, you know, uh, mommy has 43 different genders. You think, I don't know how you're going to get a dividend or an interest payment out of that. I don't see where the kid is going to provide a rate of return. But I know in the leftist world, words don't have meaning. And investment means whatever you want it to be. So uh, it is so... Seattle in Portlandish poopy outside. Uh, I said, you know what? I slept in till 11.30, stayed up till 3 a.m. My security buddy, he contacted me. He says, hey, got a security gig open. It's going to rain, a lot of rain. It's going to do nothing but rain in two hours. Oh, starting now. The rain cloud should be upon us here in Minnesota. It's just going to rain in the Twin Cities for the next 12 hours. And I'm thinking, like, it's cloudy out. The GF ain't here. She's going to go right to bed. Uh, apparently, she has a job or works real good. I don't know what she does. She just comes in here. I say, who are you? Well, I'm the girl. Oh, hello, girl. Uh, what do you do? Oh, I'm going to go lie downstairs and drink all your good scotch and whiskey and then go to sleep. That's what she does. If you ever wonder what my girlfriend <laughs> she just She's just this long-legged gal, tall, too. She comes in. She's like, hey, short guy who owns the house. I decided to crash here like so you have. 
There's no recompense or compensation. Actually, there is. I charge my girlfriend rent. As you guys know, but people keep on being shocked that I, Aaron Clary, would treat a woman equally. I would never charge a woman not rent because that would be condescending and sexist and, and, and misogynist. I want to treat women just like I would men. But she comes in here, she drinks the whiskey, and she goes to bed. That's basically what she does. I think we might have some conversations or something in between there. She smokes cigars too. She is a classy gal. I, I do I do bring that up because she is that classy. I know a lot of you are kind of, oh, I make it up. Oh, no, no. And, and you think, is it, is it really like, oh, man? Yes, all your suspicions are correct. Yes, it is that awesome. Um, but she's, she's going to be going right to bed. And I'll be like, well, then I got to do those twilight hours. Oh, those twilight hours. Did any of you guys have that problem? It's kind of, I had this, um, it's a theory, but I've, I've been kind of fleshing it out a little bit. But my theory, I, if the lower you are on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the more pressing those problems are. And whatever level you are at, the, the problems that you have that are most pressing that threaten your livelihood or your survival, you don't think about other problems. And for the longest time ever, I could stay up late at night, no problem, because I had to. I had to put food on the table. I remember in my 20s, I had to put together those online classes I was developing many years ago. But it never bothered me that I was either by myself not that I was lonely, but there was no one to talk to. Um, it was like, oh my God, I'm by myself. Am I going to be... It was like, I'm by myself and there's no one here to talk to. <sighs> so there was that. But then just the getting through to the point where you naturally fall asleep. That, those twilight hours. And so when, when I was younger and I was facing, you know, you got to put food on the table, you have to work. Never, never thought, worried about this. Then my lawyer, I was, I was talking to her and emailing her. She's like, oh, I know the, the twilight hours. I know, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, were you kind of panicked because you can't get through the night? I'm like, I've never panicked before. I can't get through the night. What are you talking about? He's like, oh, yeah, when you're all lonely and sad and depressed because there's no one around. I'm like, well, I don't know. Well, wait a minute. And now that she identified the problem, now it's like, oh, crap, I got to get through the twilight hours. And so normally it's writing or playing video games or... Dealing with you, Yahoo's on the Facebook. Uh, but it, it, it's becoming more and more of a challenge because as you advance up Mazel's hierarchy of needs, you know, if you got to worry about food, you don't worry about being alone. If you got to worry about paying rent, you don't worry about, oh gosh, I'm alone and by myself and, and it's dark out where I wish there were people to talk to. You're just like, thank God I got a job and I can work, working security, and there's no one here to bother me. Matter of fact, the loneliness does serve this other regard. But then all of a sudden, like, okay, you're, you're stable. You're not worried about where your next meal comes from. And things become so efficient. It's not like you're working a daytime job and you can, you know, you have to be up at 6 a.m. So you go to sleep at 10 p.m. because you're so tired because you're a real responsible adult. Oh, once you get this, I can work from wherever and do whatever. And then it's like, oh, gosh. Then all of a sudden, yeah, what do you do? You got, you got four hours before you actually go to sleep because you slept until 11. You don't have to be awake. There's no pressing things. And you're just like, wow, things are really lonely and, and quiet and eerily so when there's no point and purpose to be like, you're not, you're not, you don't have to be up. It's just you slept in till 11 because you wanted to. And now it's just so, I got everybody telling me, oh, you know, my 
old people. You should wake up. You should get you should wake up early. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. As bad as as it is going through the twilight hours, having to force yourself through that lonely time, that still beats waking up at 7 a.m. when that damn alarm goes off. Cause because as bad as it is that you might have to suffer playing video games late at night and you're by yourself, you get a little sad. Uh, that that alarm going off, uh, th- that is not worth it. That, that, is, that is totally worth the price to pay to be a little bit sad and lonely late at night. Uh, so I don't have an alarm. So there's none of that, oh, I just want to hit snooze for five more minutes. I'm not there making fun of you. I used to do that myself. Like, fuck. Fuck. Again? Fucking again? And you even were responsible, reliable. You know, you went to bed before midnight, went to bed at 11. It's still that pain that that, that your gut turns into a knot. Where you're just like, oh, shit. I gotta get up. You're on autopilot. You're not really conscious of what you're doing. You're just going through the motions. Put toothpaste in your oatmeal, oatmeal on your toothbrush. You start brushing your teeth with oatmeal and you start eating your toothpaste. You have no idea what's going on. And you get to the office you just and you go, no, no way, no way. I sleep, man, I sleep. And I get up naturally or when the, when the 1 p.m. siren goes off. <laughs> I'll t- and I'll take the quiet, the getting through, what did you call it? It wasn't uh, it, it, it wasn't the, the, the twilight. It was something else. It was the somethingies, like the scrunchies or the nighties or the, the can't sleepies. Or, oh, you can't get through the can't sleepies. Yeah. You know, I always take a sleeping pill or I do this or I read. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I found out that. Anyway, so to get through that, I get a security gig. Might as well take a security shift. Coincidentally, well-timedly. My boss calls, oh, hey, we got a security shift downtown. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll go do that. Yeah, why the hell not? There's nothing else going on. So the old captain will don his uniform once again and ride off into the sunset and sit on his ass, and nothing will happen. Watch, I'll come, I will come. I won't come back. It'll be dead. This will be my last podcast. I get killed by some drunk guy over on, not meth, what's this new drug? There's the, oh, hang on, let me look this up. It's like 10,000, I'm not joking. I'm not saying it um, for dramatizing it. There's some kind of form of heroin out there. It's elephant tranquilizers. uh, And it's 10,000 times more potent than heroin. 10,000 potent. Yeah, here it is, already fills in, than heroin. 10,000 times more potent than heroin. The new street uh, drug. Uh... Now showing up in Canada and the U.S. It was first developed in a Canadian lab. You damn Canadians! You know you get you get Trudeau in there, and then he makes then he makes drugs. Then he makes drugs. It was first developed in a Canadian lab more than three decades ago. Maybe it was his dad. All right, never mind. Who was the premier of Canada three decades ago? Was that the first uh, Trudeau? Uh, promising, impotent, and intended to relieve pain in a less addictive way. Labeled W18, this synthetic opioid was the most powerful in a series of about 30 compounds concocted at the University of Alberta and patented in the United States and Canada in 1984, but no pharmaceutical company would pick it up. So on a shelf, the recipe sat. The research chronicled in medical journals but never put to use. 
the compound was largely forgotten. This almost has like a movie kind of feel to it, doesn't it? Oh, look at this. Then a Chinese chemist found it. This, so, this sounds totally like a movie. Almost like a World War Z. And then zombies came in. Oh, my God. Look out. Canadian zombies. They're really friendly. And they ask you first if they can eat your brains. If you say no, they say, oh, terribly sorry. Then they go away. <laughs> then a Chinese chemist found it. And in labs halfway around the world start developing the drug for consumers in search of a cheap and legal high. One expert says... It's 100 times more potent than fentanyl and 10,000 times stronger than morphine. And now it has come to North America. The substance first surfaced in Canada last fall when Calgary police seized pills containing traces of the drug, according to the Calgary Herald. Then more than 2.5 pounds of W18 was discovered in the home of a Florida man. Oh, Undertow's got to love that. Everything goes back to Florida. Uh, who was sentenced to 10 years in federal prison after he pled guilty for smuggling the fentanyl from China, reported the Sun Sentinel. He faced no charges for possessing the W-18, however, because it's not yet illegal in the United States. Well, it might... It might oh, and just last week, Health Canada Drugs Analysis Service confirmed that 4 kilograms of a chemical powder seized in a fentanyl investigation in December of 2015 was indeed the dangerous W18 drug. Health officials are concerned for many reasons. There are currently no tests to detect the drug in a person's blood or urine, according to reports, making it difficult for doctors to help someone who might be overdosing, a risk outlined in the drug's 1984 patent. Its effect on humans is largely unknown because W18 has only ever was only ever tested on lab mice. Whether this drug starts circulating on the streets you're going to have deaths, Sacramento-based forensic chemist Brian Eskimalmilia told the Calgary Sun. Health Canada, is this a Canadian site? No, it's Washington Post. Uh, Health Canada is working to have W18 added to its Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. But you'd think that would be something that the uh, our respective parliaments or legislatures would go through and kind of approve over the weekend. You know, ah, uh, yeah, we're banning this. This is like Kratom. Where there's some debate among uh, people, ah, you know, maybe it's ah, all right, there's just an over-aggressive DEA. This seems like really, really, really bad. The Drug Enforcement Administration has not made a formal statement warning of the hazards of W18, but a spokesman for the department did tell the Calgary Sun that it's unclear how far the drug has infiltrated the U.S. Well, I don't know if they've gone from Canada to Florida, I don't know how much further... You infiltrate. Haven't you is infiltrated as far as you can go? If you've gotten to Key West, you have gone all the way through the United States. You cannot get any further south than Key West, Florida. And alluded to reports suggesting W18 is being cut with heroin and cocaine. And Philadelphia, what did I say about Philadelphia? Nothing good except Mumia, Obsidian, Black, Black uh, Obsidian Radio. He's on YouTube. Except for him. And a couple crazy Russians who think they're hikers because they go up the cute little mountains over in the Rock of Smokies. Uh, there's nothing good in Philadelphia. If that's true, the new drug could exacerbate the growing heroin epidemic. The debut of W18 also draws attention to the growing influence Chinese chemists have on the kind of drugs entering the U.S. Last fall, China banned 116 different synthetic drugs, according to reports including fentanyl and the deadly Flaca, a drug that put South Florida in crisis mode. Since then, Flaca has all but disappeared. In its absence, however, Chinese drug manufacturers began producing alternatives to sell, including W18, a DEA spokesman said. 
to the Calgary Sun. Instead of selling heroin in one quarter half ounce quantities, you're talking about micrograms of these substances that are 100 times more potent than fentanyl. Man, I mean, that's just a powder. You could just have a powder and it will, uh, that'll, that'll send you to the emergency room. Anyway, so I'm going to go work security and hopefully I won't happen upon a fentanyl bust or a, a W18 bust. How did he die? Happy. He had, he, he just walked past this grain of W18. So what is that? Oh, because this has seemed to piss off all the right people. And uh, I've just recently had success within the past hour. This happened in the past hour and a half. And it is about entrepreneurship. And it happens to be a sponsor of the show. So we're going to slay four birds with one stone. Uh, this Praxy thing. I'm not ta- I'm not kidding, guys. I, I had this guy on the show. I did an interview with him. Not, not primarily because he was a sponsor. I had him on the show because he was a sponsor. But I also had him on the show because I like the entrepreneurial idea. And that's this Praxy thing. Okay, it's in my particular situation, it's the 1-900 number if you need to talk to the captain for emergency asshole consulting. For a girl like Jenna Marbles, it would be kind of a 1-900 number or if you are PewDiePie or some other, you know, let's say you're Sandman. Sandman, oh, dude, Sandman, I don't know if you're listening. Actually, you know, I'm going to put that down. I'm going to email Sandman on this. Sandman would be another perfect candidate for it because the CEO of the company of Praxy he contacted me. He's a fan, and he says, "Well, I'd like to think so." Sandman is another great candidate for this, but Sandman would be more advisory or ce- uh, uh, celebrity type reasons to use this app. I've said cute girls who are seventeen could totally do the the e whoring. As much as you may find that disagreeable, that young boys will pay money just to talk to a cute girl like they're doing on Tinder. You girls could do praxy. Um, but the more honest, noble pursuit of uh, the owner of Praxy was to have people who are tradesmen, where traditionally you'd have to be in front of the car to fix it or in front of the air conditioner to fix it. Now they can just use this app and the person who has the air conditioner in front of them uh, dials up, calls up Praxy's, the mechanic, 300 miles away they trust, and then he shows them with the camera phone Say, oh, what's wrong here? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, you got to, you know, move left. Okay, go down. All right, now go back up. Oh, yeah, you need a new whatever transformer. And you get it over at the store for this, da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's really simple. I can handhold you through the repair and maintenance. So the mechanic gets paid. He's remotely. All these mechanics and computer repair guys, they don't have to drive to the site. They expand their potential audience or customer base across the world, as long as you got internet access. And you lower your cost because you're not transporting. You're not driving around. And now, of course, you know this behooves it behooves the uh, the client. They got to kind of do the ma- repair and maintenance. But my larger point is, I really like this technology. I think it's a great. I think it has the potential to be revolutionary. And you know that's why that's why I spun it. But and guess who got his first client today? I did. I got my first client on Praxy, and I don't. I don't want to mention his name. But if you are listening, um, uh, Praxia's, uh, you know, obviously new technology. It's still, uh, it's an, it did have its beta testing, but it's still, you know, there's going to be some bells and whistles. But uh, you were you're probably double billed. I already contacted the CEO uh, because of the connection issues. So these are just natural growing pains. But he he said he will reimburse you for that first connection charge. 
And um, yeah, so I just I, I made I, I made thirty six bucks. Oh, and then the resistance that there has been from different people in uh, just I know. I know we have to drag people kicking and screaming into the world of profitability and opportunity and capitalism and free markets and ultimately early retirement and happier life. I know, I know, but for those of you who are fans, uh, who happen to be, you know, tradesmen, entrepreneurs, you you know, you think you could benefit by being able to remotely troubleshoot problems because that's basically all I did. This guy had an issue, he had a problem. He it was really gnawing at him, and he just praxied me. He he installed the app on his phone, and he praxied me. We had a conversation, bada boom, bada bing. The billing was taken care of. Uh, my colleague who owns the company, he made his fifteen percent commission. It was, dude, it was so slick. It was so slick, like you know when it actually works. It's like uh, a lot of you guys who, when you work on your own car or your motorcycle or something, and you're fixing it, and you're like, ah, oh, man, I hope this thing fires up, and you turn the the key in the ignition and it fires up. That's what it was like. It was like watching that. I'm like, hey, I, I called. I said, hey, it worked. You know, I got the billing and the money, and everything went really slick. There's some things with connection. Um, you know, you got uh, that's the other thing. It's VoIP. Technology, so in case you're going to use it, in case you're installing it, I know a couple people have. I think Matt Forney has. You got to be near reliable internet. Your client also has to be near reliable internet. I'm just saying though. Look, it don't take. It doesn't cost you anything to install this. You have to provide your credit card number if you want to. I, 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 I'm just giving you up front. I don't want people. Oh, it's asking me for my credit. I know they they got to charge you somehow if you make a call. Uh, regardless. Uh, it, it, it's just, it, it's not going to cost you anything. So if you wanted to talk to the old captain or have the old captain on speed praxy, not speed dial, speed praxy, for whatever reason you think you might need my help. Or you just say, dude, I don't care. I got the price set the way I want. If you want to call up and tell me what a fucking dickhead I am. <laughs> you want to curse and swear. Hey, hey, go ahead, curse and swear at me. It's your dime. If you have the female persuasion and you want to talk to the great Aaron Clary, which I think you're a little bit delusional, and you just haven't met me in person. And people meet me in person. They're like, oh. <laughs> like, oh. You're, you're not as awesome by that. Yeah, I know. I'm just a regular schmuck. But if you would like to keep the fantasy alive, you can you could go ahead and praxy. But obviously, a much more likely reason is you, you, that something pops up. You don't have time to go to asshole consulting, fill out the form, or you're just not that patient. You could go ahead and praxy me, all right? And that's that's the way to do it. I charge an egregious fee. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's cheaper than what I'm going to have, what I'm going to set it up to bill down the road uh, because we're just trying to get, it. we're just trying to make sure it works out and all the bugs and the kinks are worked out of it. Uh, but yeah, whether, you, whether you'd whether you use it to make money or whether you'd use it to, you know, and I'm not, the, once you sign up, you know, there's other people who, as long as they, you know, as more and more people sign up, you know, let's say Sandman signed up. You got Matt Forney, uh, potentially maybe Roosh is on, uh, Rolo, all the, you know, whatever. Let's say the Manosphereian uh, uh, celebrities are all on it. And you call these people up, hey, if you're willing to pay the price they're charging, you could, you could chit-chat with them and, and get their expertise take on things. I'm really just, I'm just impressed with the technology. That's really what it is. I, I almost don't care about the money. Um, I, I was just like, yeah, this is really cool. You know, I want to see it work. And it did. It was just, it was like that car firing up after you, you know, change the alternator or clean the alternator carbs or whatever. You don't clean alternators. Clean the carburetor, sorry. 
So, go to, don't go to Praxia.com. It's all on the phone. You got to go on the phone. Search it through the iPhone store or the Google app. And you'll find me there. You'll find me in like, you know, it's like going out to the Wild West when Daniel Boone was out there. There's, there's me. There's maybe David Crockett. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of people out here. This is not when people have yet sent the wagon trains. The, the railroads have not been yet built. This is wild open territory. There's only a handful of us out there. But, you know, download the app just to just to have it and see how it works. So uh, what else we got? So, uh, wow, did that? that's it? Look at that. It's already time for the news. Now, listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? Once again, from the world where the news is not the news, but what the news is about is the news from the New York Times. And I'm not just picking on the New York Times because it's biased to the left and, oh, it's just the kicking dog of the right. No, this is another bit of evidence where the New York Times is, it's a mouthpiece. It's not journalism. But we're, we'll, we'll continue on. Men bet she would fail. Now she runs a $26 billion hedge fund. Right off the, they're not even hiding it. They're not even hiding it. They, enemies, people will tell you their true colors. They will tell, we don't even have to get to the article. You can already predict. I hope here at Cappy Cap World, we've trained your eyes. You got eagle eye Charlie vision now going on that you could just say, hey, I know what this one is about. I know, you know, people retweet and forward and share on Facebook, uh, not articles, but titles of articles. That's what people, most people do. But it's almost legitimized in this case because you don't have to read the article. You don't. Dawn Fitzpatrick manages the billions and family wealth of the investor George Soros, but she takes over at an unsettled moment for global markets. This is written by Alexandra Stevenson and Kate Kelly, of which who we're going to delve into a little bit later. From the moment Dawn Fitzpatrick stepped into the American Stock Exchange trading floor as a clerk in 1992, she sensed that the odds were against her. Do you see it? Do you see it? Is this news? Is this journalism? Is this reporting? Or do you feel like they're just going to spread your ass cheeks a little bit more so they can shove some glass ceiling bullshit up there a little bit further? Surrounded by men in jackets barking trade orders, she stood out in her pleated skirt and twin sweater set. Traders around her began wagering on how long Miss Fitzpatrick's then 22 would last. The flow is definitely not a place for people who are cute, prim, and proper, Miss Fitzpatrick said in the recent interview. Well, she's Miss, not Mrs. Oh. She's 40-something now. Hey, you know what? She's got money. Ms. Fitzpatrick began her career at O'Connor and Associates. The Chicago firm was later acquired by UBS as the Swiss Bank's internal hedge fund. She rose to lead the firm and become one of Wall Street's most powerful women. Now largely unknown outside the industry, Ms. Fitzpatrick faces her biggest and most public challenge yet, working for George Soros, the estimable, estimable, octogenarian investor and philanthropist. All right, now let me disclaimer right here. Thus far, I like Miss Fitzpatrick. I have nothing against this. She went in, I'm just a little bit older than me, went in in the 90s, rose through the ranks, uh, probably studied something reasonably well. She's doing very, I have no, pro- this is not about, uh, what's her full name? Dawn Fitzpatrick. 
This is this is a vehicle to point out something else. All right, so don't think I'm ripping. I want women to be successful. I'm cheering on Miss Fitzpatrick. You go ahead. You manage a twenty billion dollar hedge fund. That, that, that good for you. Later Monday, she started as inve- a chief investment officer at the Soros Funds Management, which manages around twenty six billion of Mr. Soros's personal and family wealth. In taking the job, she follows the footsteps of finance legends such as Keith Anderson, a co-founder of BlackRock, and Stanley Druckmiller, the billionaire investor. Even Steve Munchen, the new Treasury Secretary, was once brought in to open a lending business. Mr. Soros himself is perhaps the finance world's most famous investor. In 1992, he made a $1 billion bet against the British pound. The trade came to be known as uh, one that broke the Bank of England when Mr. Soros's heavy selling of the country's currency helped prompt the government to devalue the pound. But since then, Mr. Druckenmiller left the firm in 2000. Soros Fund Management has churned through eight investment officers. It's a remarkable turnover for the top of any company, even among hedge funds, which are known for a cutthroat culture. It's even less typical of the sleepy world of family offices where the employees manage the assets of a single clan, which is how the Soros Funds are structured after years of accepting outside investor money. And Soros is not just another family office designed to maximize wealth. There is a direct link between the money that is made at Soros and its founder philanthropic endeavors. Mr. Soros, now 86, is an outspoken supporter of Democrats, including Hillary Clinton, and travels the world seeking to promote democracy. No, it's not. Yeah, democracy. Is that why all of his protests as Western protested the Democratic election of Trump? I'm just wondering, New York Times. The $1 billion that Mr. Soros made betting against the British pound, for example, helped to support scientists in Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union. Though Ms. Fitz... We're getting back. Finally, we got... After sucking George's dick for a long, we finally got back to Ms. Fitzpatrick. Though Ms. Fitzpatrick is a registered Republican, she appears unfazed that her investing acumen will in turn support Mr. Soros' activism. If we can do a good job in terms of generating returns, the impact the money created can have is tremendous and that's really motivating she says see she's look she's a hard work i like that it's a you're paying me for this job all right she could set us up she gets to the job i like this gal already yet miss fitzpatrick 47 takes over at soros at a moment of global uncertainty oh because previously there were instances of global certainty right impending elections in france and germany threatened to upset the status quo amongst europe The United States is only beginning to absorb the implications of Donald J. Trump's young presidency. Markets around the world are holding steady but seem liable to drop in any given. That's a horribly written. Just say say there's nothing going on in the financial markets. You're trying to make it seem like this is a bit like, oh, God, she's taking over. And uh, while we're, uh, the ship is in a storm. Oh, my. No, no, there's not a wave on the ocean right now. It's a pretty boring financial situation. Ms. Fitzpatrick is bullish. She believes stocks in the United States having hit record highs can, can still rise higher still. But she attributes this optimism to what she says are fundamentally healthy companies, not investor giddiness over the Trump presidency. In reality, if we had Hillary Clinton as our president, I think we'd be here or higher, Ms. Fitzpatrick said. Buying up the board at the height of... Okay, are we finally getting to the point? It's a lengthy article. Oh, no. no. Okay, I just scrolled down. Oh, no. Hang on. We'll get there. Just bear with me. Uh, at the height of financial crisis of a decade ago or so, 
Miss Fitzpatrick faced the biggest decision of her career. She had risen to become chief investment officer at O'Connor, then a unit of UBS, and now had to steer the firm through a period of market upheavals that would leave some of the biggest names on Wall Street bankrupt. In the summer of 2008, Miss Fitzpatrick received a call from Richard S. Fold, the then executive of Lehman Brothers. Mr. Fold acknowledged that Lehman's stock was tumbling, but he told Miss Fitzpatrick it would recover and asked her not to pull the billions of dollars that O'Connor had with the bank's prime brokerage, a division that lends stock and cash to hedge fund. God almighty. Miss Fitzpatrick had a quandary. She maintained her balance and Lehman managed to survive. She would keep a relationship with a critical Wall Street partner, but she kept her balance with Lehman and went bankrupt, lose billions. She did something no one else did, recalled Michael Meyer, former UBS O'Connor employee who was at there at the time. She quickly assessed the situation with him and said, Dick, your stock is trading at 22. If the stock goes to 15, I'm taking half out. If stock reaches 10, I'm taking all of it out. Ultimately, of course, Lehman failed, treating some of the worst convulsions, blah, blah, blah. Finally, we get back to Miss Fitzpatrick. Born and raised in Irvington, Miss Fitzpatrick. Here we go. Here we go. This is what I saw. Miss Fitzpatrick was the middle child among five siblings who grew up at a cul-de-sac on the street, bustling with young families. She spent much of her childhood competing with taller, stronger brothers and sisters who excelled at sports like baseball. By her own description, Miss Fitzpatrick was a short and scrawny. Her father said, still jokes, that she is the runt of the litter. Eventually, she found her stride. She turned to running, something that she continues to today, usually at 5 a.m. Ooh. Yeah, we're not going to be doing that. She goes, da, 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 da. My neighbor, even as a girl... Okay, here. My neighbor, Marty Atlas, nurtured her early interest in the market, showing a teenage Miss Fitzpatrick how state stock tables worked. Even as a girl, her investing prowess was evident. I remember her playing Monopoly with all those kids, and she ended up with all the hotels. Miss Fitzpatrick quickly zeroed in on her goal after college, Wall Street. It was the one place where you could succeed beyond your wildest dreams, she recalled, after graduating from the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton with a bachelor's of science degree in 1992. All right, so she went, she didn't go, she didn't go home, she went STEM. Landed job at O'Connor Associates, you already said that. She moved on to trade. There, groups of traders gathered in pits to buy and sell major trading contracts, yelling out orders while gesticulating madly. Miss Fitzpatrick, once again an outsider on a testosterone-heavy trading floor, mastered the jargon and the hand signals. It was in Chicago. Miss Fitzpatrick learned how cruel markets could be in 1994, economic crisis, blah, blah, blah. Basically, overnight, those guys who I would stand next to from 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day lost their homes, lost their marriages, just everything in a flash. It really left an indelible mark on me. In the course of her career, Miss Fitzpatrick has tangled with regulators while Chief Investment Officer O'Connor. Miss Fitzpatrick oversaw $3.5 billion, bank denied wrongdoing, possible risk. Perceptions matter. In the world of finance, women can find themselves at a disadvantage. Their careers stymied by overt sexism and implicit bias alike. The paucity of senior positions held by women in banks and other financial firms, which a recent Financial Times survey put at less than 26, would seem to underscore that belief. No, you women just... How many women go to Wharton and study finance? Let me know that one. As the first female investment officer at Soros, Miss Fitzpatrick becomes a woman with few peers. Most everyone managing such a large pot of money on the Wall Street is a man. Miss Fitzpatrick said that on the whole, she has not felt discriminated against because of her gender at the work. See, see, but you girls are still going to fucking go with that narrative, right? 
You, you, you fucking what, uh, sexism professional victim whores are still going to go with this narrative. She just told you she does it, but you're going to spin an entire article about it this way, aren't you? At UBS, Miss Fitzpatrick kept a pair of Christian Louboutin shoes. I don't know what that means. Under her desk, but often walked around the office barefoot. A display of her confidence. No, she, well, a display of, of uh, a lack of hygiene, I would say. <laughs> she like, oh, God. Put the shoes on, lady. <laughs> it's not confidence. I just want to be comfortable. Clearly, there are single moments in time when I would rather have been a six-foot-three blonde-haired ex-football playing guy, she said, but those tended to be offset by the times when I thought it was an advantage to be a woman. She's even saying that it's better to be a woman. Ms. Fitzpatrick says women have innately useful qualities when it comes to money management. One of the things I believe women have more of, a typical women authors takes forever. This is New York Times, remember. This is supposed to be the best writer, the best of the best writers. They, they waited to get to their main point. Why don't you girls just save everybody the long and painful resume analysis and just get to where you want, just get to the money shot, okay? Just get to where you want to go. One of the things I believe women have more of is humility in their investments, she said. We'll cut losers quicker in a more effective way than generally men will. Indeed, some studies suggest that women are more successful risk managers than men. Oh, oh, some studies. Well, I'm sure you girls just went up and looked up those studies, didn't you? Yet Miss Fitzpatrick also caught herself masking her femininity to keep up with she just told you. She just cho- told you it didn't really matter. She has moved on. She doesn't view the world with the tainted glasses of sexism that you fucking uh, 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 journalism leftist feminist whores do. She's got a real career. She makes real money, real decisions, providing real value to her employers and her clients. And you girls over at the New York Times are still stuck in this 15, 20-year-old glass-ceiling bullshit. I mean, when when do you play another tune? When do I mean, hey, look, I, I I like Huey Lewis in the news, but I'd get pretty fucking sick and tired if all he played was I want a new drug the entire time at a concert. Do you, do you have nothing new? Do you not have, have, you know, you girls are so educated, you're so intelligent, you're so edgy, then why do you write the same broken record bullshit all the time? And you're the New York Times! The New York fucking Times. I mean, I understand if you were like Jezebel or Exo Jane, like the MGTOWs, just jerking off to your pud every day over the same shit because it makes you feel good because you got a mental problem. That's how you treat it. You self-medicate. I understand. But but the, the false pretense that the New York Times is, is a entity of journalism, that you guys are doing, that you're, that you're introducing new thoughts, new philosophies, new news. It's the same mind-numbing, broken record bullshit. I want a new drug. 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 I mean, come on, really. That'd be torture after a while if I just, you know, we grab some Al-Qaeda terrorists. What should we do? We'll just play this one song, I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis in the News. Just that one segment right there, the entire time for hours on end. And, and it's just proof positive that these girls... I mean, I'm not even through the rest of the article, but the rest of the article is all about Miss Fitzpatrick being a woman and blah, 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 grass. We don't even have to sing I Want a New Drug anymore. But my point is, the news not being about the news, but what the news is about being the news. 
is Alexander Stevenson and Kate Kelly. Who, who are these people? Who are they? Why is there another fucking article about the glass ceiling? Even when the subject of their article says, oh, there's no glass ceiling for me. And they still spin it. So if you want, like, this is it. This is a tell, guys. I told you. People will tell you what you need to know about them. Poisonous animals will show you their colors. And so already you know, without having to look these people up, you already know that when we go look at Alexander Stevenson and Kate Kelly, these are not engineers. They are certainly no Miss Dawn for uh, Fitzpatrick's. How much you want to bet they're just the, the sea of common millennial Gen X women who work in media and have nothing new or, or of value. Nothing new or of value to offer society. Just the same bullshit. And why I wish it was new. I wish they came up with this on their own. They were programmed to. From the day of kindergarten, back when Dawn Fitzpatrick, this since the day of kindergarten through college, it's the same shit. They don't advance anything. They're worthless. They offer no value. I had to look up Kate Kelly first because there's a bunch of different Kate Kellys, one of which is a feminist. That is not the one. This is the Kate Kelly. Wall Street writer and New York Times author, occasional TV broadcaster, mother and wife. Now, you would think I'm on the Twitter profile now. She's got 50,000 followers on Twitter. All right? I'm thinking like, oh, She's on TV. She's a TV broadcaster. She writes for the Wall Street. Oh, no, she doesn't write for Wall Street Journal. She writes for a Wall Street writer. And she's a New York Times author. Right, now, she has books out. Now, this is, this, is the, this is the asset I wish I had. You give me this background. You give me this number of followers. You give me a profile and a platform, like being a TV broadcaster and a New York Times writer and author. I would, I would make so much bank because I, I would write such quality shit. But, but Kate Kelly just regurgitates the same bullshit. So let's go to the numbers, shall we? Kate Kelly's got some books. Yeah, because she's going to write some books. So you'd think, well, she's got the platform. She's got the magic formula. She's got the magic ingredients. This is, this is what I, when I was in, in, radio for that brief stint of time i'm like holy cow if i could become like a rush limbaugh if i could become a dennis prager if i just want some money i had michael savage every time michael savage needs a couple extra million he just writes a book and all of his followers buy it not that i become a michael savage or a rush limbaugh but if i could just get enough i could get fifty-three thousand twitter followers i'd be set for life so how, how much bank how much raw talent has she delivered? Now, what, what kind of products has she made that are, that are uh, empirical and evidence of her ability, her insight, and, and, and writing? She's a journalist. She's a professional writer, professional author, right? So she must be able to blow me out of the water. Well, here we go. She's got two books out, okay? This, remember, this is if you gave old captain uh, an F-15 fighter plane, all right? What does she do? She's got Street Fighters by Kate Kelly. How's the, how's the, num- how's the number of reviews? 45 reviews. My worst book has half that. My best book has four, five, five. Five times that. You're telling me. Here, look. New York Times bestseller, Street Fighters. Is that a New York Times bestseller? 
You 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 work at the New York Times. <laughs> you could you have the ear of people on the New York Times bestseller list. You you have access to Wall Street. You write a book on finance. And you have television or TV broadcaster. And you can't even pull off what some dipshit out in fucking Minnesota can with the fucking name. You wonder why? Because you're not that good. Ultimately, your book is not that good. Nobody wanted to read. Okay, let's go to the next book. What else has old Kate got here? The secret club that runs the world. You think with a juicy topic like that, that'd get that'd get some people. 56 reviews, three and a half stars. Gee, I wonder if it's because Kate Kelly, you and Alexandra Stevenson don't have a real core to you. You don't you you truly are the talking head. You you journalists truly are just the pretty face that reads the teleprompter that tells what's going to happen in the news or what's going to happen with the weather. And when you laughably try to write something of your own creation, it's shit. It's absolute shit. Just like this New York Times article you wrote. It's not new. It's not interesting. Like if you wrote something like this in 1950, uh, obviously Miss Fitzpatrick would not be there, but using a different catalyst or a vehicle to highlight yeah, that might have been new. That might have been brave. It's not fucking brave. What's worse is it's fucking programmed. It's not. You are the antithesis of independent-minded. Everything you claim to be, everything the New York Times claims to be, you are the opposite. You are a conformist. You don't think. You just regurgitate. You parrot. You read the teleprompter. You read and tell where people, oh, is that what you want me to say, Miss Professor So-and-so? All right. My teacher said that I'm in a, how long, how, how, this gal looks like she's in her 40s. Do you have something new? I guarantee you this gal's my age, roughly my age. This feminist bullshit has been shoved up our asses. I remember, what was it, the third grade, maybe the second or fourth grade? Our teachers, we, there were, um, we were playing basketball, and the boys would play basketball onto themselves, and the girls would play basketball because the girls just didn't have the testosterone or the skill. We didn't mind the girls playing basketball. So they thought my teacher, Miss Coors, I don't know where she is. I trust you, me. I have tried to find her. <clears throat> she thought it'd be funny to take the top five uh, basketball players. And there were some really good athletes in the school. Even at that age, there were some very good athletes. She took the top five boys made them wear wigs, and then play basketball. This is in the 80s, the mid-early 80s, and made them play basketball against like the other five boys, uh, and they just kicked their asses because they were that much better. They say, now you know what it's like to be beat by a girl. This shit has been going on since Reagan's first fucking administration. Do you think it's getting old, Kate Kelly? Huh? You think you got anything new going on here? Or are you just taking shit that you've been told for 30 years and make, I mean, it's, it's, it literally is like, hey, this stew has been sitting on the oven for 30 years. Old Kate Kelly comes in there, stirs it around a bit, and because she stirred it around, instead of just taking the ladle and pulling it out, she's like, well, this is new. I stirred it. It's new. Now let's go to Alexandra Stevenson. Took a little digging. We find her Twitter file. Okay. 4,000 Twitter followers. About the same as old Captain here. Right? 
And when I can't use because it doesn't look like she's written any books, but she works at the New York Times. She works at the New York Times. Still only 4,000 Twitter followers, huh? I'd expect a little bit more. But let's see if she's got herself a nice little background. Found an article, Alexander Stevenson, who is a London-based reporter for the Financial Times covering European markets. Alex started the Financial Times three years ago. And what, what year is this? This is 2013, so she's 2010. Ah, so what is she? She's not as old as me or Kate. Uh, but yeah, older, older millennial, younger, no, older Gen Xer, younger, old, wait. Younger Gen X or older millennial? Uh, ba, 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 three years in, a, in the paper Southeast Asia Bureau in New Delhi. She has been a writer for Beyond Bricks, the paper's emerging markets blog, and has been a company's beat reporter in London. A Canadian who was born in the United States, Alex has a special interest in China where she studied at Peking University and worked at the now defunct... Well, maybe she's fluent. I'm wondering how she got there. Did daddy pay for it for you to study overseas? And now defunct Asia Weekly magazine and as a freelancer for various broadcast outlets in the category of lessons learned work for an authoritarian regime. During a brief stint with China Radio International State Broadcaster, she recorded a voiceover for a report on the financial crisis that played at the 2009 National Party. This sounds like actual real work. I got a hand of credit here. Uh, you know, you're in a foreign country and that this sounds like you're doing real stuff. But when she wanted to question parties officials about building standards on the anniversary of the Szechuan earthquake, she was unceremoniously sidelined. Alex has a, politi- a bachelor's in political science from McGill University. All right, it's so worthless. You didn't want to work right there. I mean, it's scripted. It's so scripted. There's nothing new. Give me an electrical engineer that busted his or her ass off, learned a little bit, and then took it to I want a different approach. How much you want to bet McGill University told her it's sexism, 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 broken record, broken record, broken record. Glass ceiling, glass ceiling, glass ceiling. Oh my gosh, she comes here and here's a really cool gal. Uh, she even said it's nothing about the glass ceiling, but what are we going to talk about? I wonder. Chinese pun intended. It's kind of like she is the Manchurian candidate. You will go and you, I don't know why I'm speaking in German, but you know. You will be here in China, and we will train you. But unbeknownst to you, we will, we will brainwash you. So that, that when you go to the New York Times and you go to America, we will, we will ring the bell. And then, even though you have great experience in writing about China and you can write about Asian markets, then then you will... Bring out your true training that you have received at McGill and you will write about sexism and the glass ceiling, yeah? Sad. See, here's here's this, this, this is the potential. Alex has the ability to write about something unique because she has a unique background. She lived in China. She has insight. She worked, you know, <laughs> worked at China Radio International. Why the hell is she writing about the glass ceiling. Why do I have her singing I want a new drug? Oh, that's right. Political science. McGill University. No independent thought. Doing exactly what she's been programmed and indoctrinated to do. Blah, blah, blah. And also studied Mandarin at Liaoning. Liaoning. Normal University in Dalian. What's normal university? I wonder if they're like, yeah, we have crappy universities, normal universities, and really good universities. 
She will move to New York later this summer. Well, congratulations. I'm glad that you're, you're writing in the New York Times and you've taken your education, your intelligence, your background, and your unique background, and you're not conveying any of that in your reading, or writing, rather. I'm glad that I can go and read Alexandra Stevenson's stuff and see that it's the exact same fucking slop that's been served up these 30 years. Just the, just the sad waste of human intellect and brain and capacity. Of all the crap with the internet nowadays, everything, everything culturally around the world you can sample, either in the real world or easily digitally, on, on your phone, on your fucking phone. And it's the same shit. It's like being a chef. Like, hey, you've got access to all the world's recipes. And, by the way, in your kitchen, you have access to all these ingredients. You work for the New York Times. You can write, you've got a huge restaurant. You have millions of people coming in. You could serve unique and interesting dishes that would be different. No, it's the same fucking ham sandwich with fucking, that's, that's so old and so overdone, it's moldy now. Hey, it's a glass ceiling. Oh, the minorities are suffering. Oh, Oh, really? Is that what's on the menu today again? Look. I'm no... I'm no Ted Koppel. I'm no Michael Savage. But at least here at the Clary Podcast, in my writing and reading, it's fucking different. There's new shit. Even I have backed away the traditional, oh, you know, talk radio, conservative talk radio, not leftist radio, not leftist media, all right? Back 10, 15 years ago, that was still, that was new. That was edgy. 10 years ago, talking about, uh, uh, you know, how men feel, shock and horror. Yeah, uh, we like women with big tits, skinny asses, and long hair, and we don't like this feminist fucking bullshit. I mean, that's edgy. That's revolutionary. That is definitely being independent-minded. But even that gets tiring after a while. It's why, okay, we've said everything that needs to be said. We've moved on. Conservative talk radio has been done. That doesn't mean that it, it should go away. There's a place for it. you got to keep on top of, of uh, developing events, current events, politics. Of course, there's a role in there. Hey, you know, and keeping on top, you know, every once in a while like that, uh, I thought it was actually genuinely newsworthy, the article uh, at Return of Kings about how girls are starting to charge on Tinder. Just to just to Tinder with them or talk to them or chat with them, whatever. All right? That was newsworthy. That, that was an evolution that had yet to... But it was new. But outside from that, pretty much it, the whole... It's been done. We've developed the laws, we've developed the rules, we've developed the observations. We fleshed it out. We have this body of work that has fully analyzed the dynamics between men and women and sexism and discrimination and, and uh, uh, the, um, the false premise that women are oppressed by men and that it may actually be vice versa. We've, we've fully explored it and now it's time to move on. Especially after the presidential election. It's definitely time to move. Let's try something new. I've made enough ham sandwiches. I'd like to try and make some tacos. I'd like to try and make some uh, sushi. All this stuff. And the the media people being generated and graduated. From 10 to 15 to 20 years ago to today. Nope. We're going to write the same slop. It's going to be the same shit. 
New York Times menu, you know, the same shit you read last week. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? It's going to be the same shit this week. And it's going to be privilege. It's going to be how minorities are oppressed. It's going to be the glass ceiling for women. It's going to be how Trump sucks. Jesus, I wonder if there's going to be any difference between the Trump presidency and it being covered by the mainstream media and the Bush presidency. I wonder if you're going to call him a warmonger. Oh, never mind, old Obama. He had a lot of drone strikes and killed a lot more thus far than, than old Trump. And never mind that, oh, he was still, we didn't get, we didn't get a vi- out of Iraq that quick. We didn't close Guantanamo Bay. Never mind that. <laughs> no, we're going to blame everything on Bush. Oh, in eight years, we just kind of go investigate something else. Oh, now we got to go blame Republican. Oh, yeah, Republican president. I wonder if they're going to blame Trump for things like they did Bush again. I wonder what's going to be on the menu this time. Same fucking shit. So congratulations to Alexandra Stevenson and Kate Kelly for literally wasting probably millions of people's hours, millions of human hours on nothing new. On on a lie. Even even the Dawn Fitzpatrick said, oh, no problems here. I, have, I didn't see any glass ceiling. It didn't, didn't affect me. We got to spit it. We got to spit it. Is it because it's your religion? Is that what it is? Like you got nothing else going on? You've never had an independent thought in your guys' life that, that you you don't dare make another recipe? You don't dare try to think outside the box? You don't dare have a new... Is it that you're comfortable with the ham sandwiches? Is you could not resist your brainwashing and, and you only know ham sandwiches? Have you put your entire life's value and agency into the sacred and holy ham sandwich? And that if you were to make something different, then, then you would lose somehow value because your entire life is hinged and pinged upon the ham sandwich? I mean, the, like I said before, it's, it's just a tragic loss how much human intelligence is lost repeating the same shit and believing crap that you've been indoctrinated to believe. I've said it before, I feel horribly sorry for the vast majority of black people in the United States who are brought up, brainwashed and conditioned to blame sexism, discrimination, or not sexism, discrimination, bigotry. Uh, what's the other one I was going for? That, that it's just that, that they, are, they are victim pigeonholed, if that's even a verb that I'm trying to go. They are conditioned and brainwashed to view themselves as the victim to an extent they actually believe it, which begets inaction. Futility, why would it, which then results in a self-fulfilled prophecy where by the time they're on their deathbed and they look back and they say, God, what did I do? I didn't try. I just, bl- it was, it was, I was always told I couldn't do it. I never gave it a shot. It was always whitey. It was always discrimination. It was always the system. It was always the man, but you never gave it a shot because you were lied and indoctrinated to. Think about all the journalism, quote, majors and political science majors out there. Oh, they want to be writers. They want to, they want to be journalists. It's like, oh, you got this whole planet. You, you even got the universe to go in. You could write about space. You could write about astronomy. They got unlimited stuff, unlimited. And here's this catalyst. Here's this platform. You got the New York fucking Times. No, you're, you're, gonna, you're just going to write the same shit that's been written the past 30 years. This is why podcasts, this is why the alternative media is. This is, that's why the, where the future is. I don't, I, I dropped out of politics. I don't care. Like people ask, what do you think about Trump and Syria? I'm like, I don't know enough about Syria. I don't care. I, I, you know what? My life is too short. I'm not going through that again. 
I did, however, discover, and you guys might want to write this one down, the BBC, I know, I know, you don't like government, I know. The BBC in our time, they got a great treasure trove of podcasts. I learned about the Mali Empire. I learned about um, the Dutch East India Trading Company. I learned about Saturn. I learned about Pluto. I learned all this shit. I got more intellectually stimulated listening to that than reading this crap farted out by Alexandra and uh, uh, the other gal. Because it was new. It was like, oh, I didn't know that. All this new stuff the Cassini spacecraft is figuring about Saturn we didn't know even six months ago. It was great. It was like, oh, this is new. This is a different dish. This is the spice of life. These people just fart out cardboard and serve it as their goddamn ham sandwich. Anyway, thank you, Alexandra and Katie. I, I really appreciated that article. That I'm sure that that really advanced society. I'm sure that helped close the wage gap. The mere bitching and whining about it that you guys have been doing the past 30 years. How about this? I will challenge. I'm going to send this. I'll put this up on the video. And, and uh, this is a challenge to both of these authors, journalists, writers. I challenge you two separately. Don't go cahoots on this. Write an article that's interesting and different and about a topic that has not been done before. Come up with a new recipe. Come up with a new dish. I don't care what it's on. I don't care if I disagree with you. You could write about some aspect of communism or socialism and how it's great. I came up with a piece. I am obviously not a socialist, but I, I had a highlight. I had to point out that... The socialists were successful. There is a working model of communism and socialism. It's called Silicon Valley. They got, they've duped hundreds of thousands of suckers to go and work and pay tax rates of around 50 to 60% to support a parasitic class. And I'm being deadly serious when I say that. That is the first functioning real world working model of communism that has worked. Took a lot of brainwashing and billions of dollars to brainwash a generation, but they got it. They got it. It, 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 quote, works. That's a new, interesting line of thought, a new intellectual exercise. Seriously, both of you write something new. It doesn't have to be about politics. Matter of fact, let's not make it politics because that's what you've been conditioned to write about. Write something different. Write something that when you write for the New York Times, or when you write it on your blog, I'll send you more traffic than your Twitter followers will. Say, here's an interesting, intellectually stimulating article about the history of paper. And that, that will be more interesting than an article number 3,478,296,173 article about the glass ceiling. Write, write an article about dachshunds. Write an article about ticks that infect dachshunds. Write an article about Lyme disease. Write some fucking thing before you guys die, and then you're dying there on your deathbed saying, oh, all I did was write about what people told me to write about. Oh, I guess I wasted my life. And then you're dead. And you know what? No one's going to remember you. No one will remember the fuck who you are or were because you wrote some shitty-ass book that you couldn't parlay or leverage your prominent online media and traditional media presence to actually make a, make a damn in the world. And there's some idiot. You wonder why. You wonder why us no-name pajama media type bloggers and podcasters can actually get traction 
and write pieces that are going to be remembered well off after we're dead because we're different. All right, I think I beat that to death. You got any more news? Actually, no, we're not going to do. I do have another news story. We just got a ton, a shit ton of new sponsors. <laughs> I let me let me give you, ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you a little bit of inside biz here to the the YouTube. The a big thing, whether you've been paying attention to it or not, a big uh, tidal wave has hit the independent media youtuber blogger podcaster type community it's youtube and what they did is they've gone through a huge demonetization phase uh where they've demonetized people's videos or they've just in in a general case if they didn't demonetize your videos they've whacked away i've talked to sandman and terrence pop and a couple others it's about a 60 to 75 percent cut in youtube revenues and the whole the whole youtube content creator these people that make money on youtube they're freaking the fuck out, as they should. They should freak out. Uh, and the reason why is because that's their livelihood. This whole generation, um, because YouTube content creators, like the where they do the revenue sharing, that has existed now for five, maybe seven years. And as the technology has grown and advanced and the content creator YouTuber community has grown and advanced, uh, this has resulted in a lot of people, I, I'd even say maybe millions of people, making a significant amount of money. Some, hundreds of thousands, I'd even say, they make the living off of it, kind of like Amazon affiliate. Some, it certainly is a helpful subsidy. It's like kind of getting a, a government check uh, to pay, pay for groceries or something. It's it's helping a lot. And uh, a lot, If you know, I'd say millions of people, it's beer money. But the larger point is the generation that has disproportionately relied upon YouTube has been the millennials and some of the, the younger you are, the more you rely upon it. And this is coincidentally timed with two things. The younger you are, the more student debts you likely have. The younger you are, you don't make a lot of money and make less money. And the younger you are, chances are that you, you are not facing that great of a job market. So whereas, you know, let's say you were, you know, I had my YouTube channel when I was in bank, I said, okay, you know, the YouTube, I didn't need to make that much money. You know, I had a career. Other people had a career. They have a daytime gig. But for a lot of people, this is their only source of income. And because they're younger, they're typically younger, that means they're more naive. And they thought this was going to last forever. They thought, they, they, they were completely unaware of the boom-bust cycle, like oil booms and gold rushes. They thought this time it was going to be different. They didn't even think about it. They thought it was just like, yep, I'm going to make money as a YouTuber for the rest of my days. We're once again studying economics, not paying to study economics, studying economics for free at your library or reading one of my fantastic books. You'll learn that uh, you know nothing good lasts forever. All good things come to end. Seven years feast, seven years famine. So I wrote an article about this and holy shit. Not the whole community. Most people understand. Most people understand. But the people who were invested in... I did an article. I did a video. Basically saying, look, the good times are over. This is like the Bakken oil field. A lot of people on the Bakken oil field, they bought their Dodge Duty Heavy Ram diesel truck. Because they're fucking hicks from Wyoming and they don't know any better and they're stupid. So all these guys, they bought their fancy trucks. Literally sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 trucks. These are the same idiots that put truck nuts on the trucks. If you don't know what that is, look that up and you'll say, oh, that's why Aaron hated Wyoming. Ah. 
So uh, they they blew all their money. You know, they didn't save. They did the seven years feast. They didn't prepare for the seven years famine. And it was the same thing with YouTube. So I say, look, the good times are over. You should have saved your money. And now uh, you have to uh, diversify. You always have to have a daytime job. La, la, la. Multiple streams of income. You know, common sense stuff. But they say, but wait a minute. You got, for those of you who do have a platform, you do have a significant followers, you do have a significant amount of traffic. Okay, fine. YouTube isn't paying you that much anymore. They're paying you 30, 35% of what they used to. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't run ads, personal ads, on your own YouTube channel. I, and I said, and I didn't liken it too, I said it's the exact same thing because it is. It's the exact same thing as if you have a television show. It's not similar, it's not kind of like, it's not a parallel, it's the exact same thing. Except instead of radio waves going into a television, it's the internet sending bits and bytes to people's computer screens, which they're watching more of now. So I'm like, look, you still have this asset. You still have this audience of 50,000 followers, 100,000 followers, in some case, a million followers. And all you have to do is say, hey, uh, this episode of the of the hoobity boobity boo podcast or this episode of the hoggity hoggity YouTube show is brought to you in part by Phil's toothpicks. Oh my gosh, you got stuff in your tooth. Oh, I got that crap in there. If there was only a way to pick your tooth. Ah, Phil's toothpicks. In flavors of cinnamon, mint, and oregano. Oh, man, I I used to get crap stuck in my teeth until I discovered Phil's toothpicks. Now, Phil has saved my teeth. Thanks, Phil. And then there's Phil. He's got his tooth. Hey, I am Phil, and these are my toothpicks. They come in flavors such as oregano, mint, and cinnamon. Don't have crap stuck in your teeth, causing crap to be stuck in your teeth. Go and buy my product, available at Amazon.com. And then Phil would pay you 100 bucks per episode or whatever you'd agree upon, depending upon how many views you have. And I even speculated, because I didn't do the math, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that you would make more money whoring out your show to commercials to specific advertisers than it would with YouTube running its prepackaged ads because YouTube wants a cut. You just cut out the middle, man. YouTube might have, off, might have done these. So I give this brilliant, I give this brilliant solution, this logical comic, uh, common sense solution. I say, hey, Dan, oh, did some of the people who are still emotional and think that the good times are not yet over, did they have a hissy fit? Holy cow. And it just proved to me, again, there's an element of youth and naivete in this, like, they the lack of business acumen, the lack of real world acceptance, the last lack of real world experience, uh, is is apparent in the in this generation of YouTube content creator professionals. The naivete, but then also the emotion, like they thought that this was going to last forever, and that this was their entire. Life work. I, I, lined, I liken them to government workers when they're actually laid off. They don't know what to do. They spurg out. They don't know how to function. Those of us in the private sector and with a mouth, we know what it's like to get laid off all the time. We don't, we don't know what stability is. We don't, know, we don't know where our next paycheck is coming from. Ask Chris Beckloff. He knows. Like, oh, this is, this is getting bounced around in the real world. So these either young or naive people or both, they they this was kind of like their first real job. Some of them very successful. 
and all of a sudden they just got a 65-70% a pay cut. And they're just freaking, and especially if your livelihood was based off of this, because there's this whole range of YouTube people um, who they're on that cusp, like they just barely get by, you know, minimalists who barely get by, so every penny counts. And then they just didn't like, oh, they were like, they thought that I hated their guts and that, oh, how dare you? We should tell YouTube, you know, don't you dare say YouTube is a private company. And my my entire point was like, look, we can argue all day. The fact remains that next month, your check is going to be 60 and 75% less than what it was last month. Now, what are you going to do about it? Here's a solution. I didn't want to hear. So there's this whole, not, not. Certainly not the majority. Most people know what I'm saying. But there's like this this uh, contingent, this element of people that just hates my guy. Look, you, you want to be a great economist? Tell people shit they don't want to hear. That's all you have to do. You just, and, and if you're saying, well, where, where do I find shit that people don't want to hear? Where do, I, where do I go? Is there a shit that people don't like to hear store somewhere? Where do I purchase things? Because I don't know. Maybe I open my mouth and I say something and they like it. And then I'm not a good economist. You know where you go to find shit that people don't like to hear? You, you go get truth. You simply go get the truth and you tell it to people and that's shit they don't like to hear. And then you too will be a great economist and you will piss a lot of people off. <laughs> so I, there was, oh yeah. And then, oh, oh, the wonderful speculation. This is just a little bit, again, behind the inside biz. So everyone thinks that because my YouTube, everyone, everyone's YouTube is getting cut. They think because... My uh, 60%, 70% cut in YouTube is going down. They think that, like, I got to now go... Like, I'm poor. Uh, well, I always have been poor, but I'm also a minimalist, so I don't need the money. But there's these people, yeah, it's going to affect you too, and you're going to have to get a real job. You're going to have to wake up early like the rest of us. Like, uh, no. No, I won't. <laughs> Not really. Because let me, let me explain to you the Clary business model, Okay. It, this is not some new ship. I liken it to a battleship, you know? This is not some new ship that just got came off of the docks, hasn't had its run-in with the real world, hasn't learned its scars, all right, and hasn't learned from its mistakes. It's been out there, what, 18? It's been out there 24 years, all right? Oh, I've lost some battles. I've learned, but I've learned, and that's the key thing. So my whole business model is based on the world is out there to fuck you over, because that's true. That's predominantly 95% true. And then you say, well, well, what if there's that 5% of the time that people aren't trying to fuck you over? Well, that's a pleasant surprise. It's not like we don't welcome people's help. But if you want to build a business, build your battleship for the seas of the real world, you operate for one premise, one premise only. That is, everyone is out to fuck you over. And so when you build that kind of more of a defensive adaptive insurance policy type of battleship, you can respond quickly and when bad things happen to you and the world tries to fuck you over, you're inoculated against it, you're defended against it, you're vaccinated against it, or you take very little damage, or if you're particularly clever, you turn it around in a very judo-like way and make lemonade out of lemons from it, which is what I did when I say, hey, make direct orders. So... Getting back to my original point, we got a ton of new sponsors because I put that video out there. 
And if these sponsors were to repeat themselves, which again, I don't assume is going to happen because I'm not a naive millennial who got lucky making video game channels and making money playing video games. Like, how did you think that was going to work forever? Did you really think that was going to work forever? Hope you saved your pennies and dimes. But it was, it was the, I, I said, okay, look, I would gladly take advertisers on the Clary Show, which I've said before, but now it's starting to get a little bit of traction because people are losing out on their YouTube. Like, oh my God, what are we going to do? So we got a whole bunch of new sponsors that I think I've more or less compensated and made up for whatever lost revenue I might have with the YouTube cut. Because I'm good. I'm fucking good. I'm not the best, but I'm damn good. The USS Clary Battleship knows what the fuck it is doing. It's through years of it. Oh, now go back 20 years. It was a pretty sad and pathetic battleship. Now it is a state of the art, completely reactive and adaptive. It, it, it just, it's amazing. It's an amazing ship. It never, it never sits still. We're always, all right, let's upgrade this. Let's change, okay, change the armor here. Change here. Get some new guns up there. Get some new type of ammo. No, that ammo doesn't work no more. It is change or die. It is the USS Entrepreneur. That's actually good. That's a sexy sound and battleship name. The USS Entrepreneur. USS Clary does. Eh, you think small little Irish leprechaun type. The USS Entrepreneur. That's what it, that's what it is. That's sexy. That's what it is. Well, we adapted. We changed. And there's all this, this these people wishing. The trolls. They're the ones, you know. The ones who thought that they were going to live off of $400 a month YouTube revenue. Uh, that They're just emotionally butthurt. The butthurt is huge. And they're just, oh, yo, you're going down with us. No, no, I'm not. I am not. I have been poor. I have worked real jobs. I have woken up at a crack of a fart in the morning. I've worked 42 hours straight once. I've been in the trenches. This is not some, I'm not some guy that graduated from West Point and I come from the Thaddeus McThaddeus family. I'm not a Rockefeller. I was there. I worked shitty jobs. I even still work overnight, but I enjoy working security at the part time. I, I, I've been there. I know what it's like. And I have made sure, going to great lengths, I never have to do that again. Of which the number one thing is minimalism. I don't have, I don't, ha I know this may shock you. <clears throat> uh, you see, I don't have Miss, Miss Wifey Poo saying, Aaron, I need a new SUV. I need to go in for my nail appointment. I need you to pay for my student loans. I want to get my master's. Oh, Aaron. I need to go clothes shopping. I charge my girlfriend rent and she fucking pays. I have rental property to make sure I never pay my full amount. And now at the age of 42, I don't have that many uh, responsibilities or liabilities or debts. I don't have that many bills. I don't have expensive tastes. I don't buy new clothes. For God's sake, I get hand-me-downs. It's great. It's great being a short old guy. Because like now the kids are getting so tall. You know, like a kid in the... In the 8th or ninth grade, <laughs> I'm not joking, a kid in the 8th or ninth grade, that's starting to come up now, they grow out of their clothes. But, you know, because the 8th or ninth grade, you got to have very fashionable clothes. You have to, it has to be very fashionable. I'm like, well, I'll take your kid's clothes. <laughs> I could use the new pair. What? He grew out of them in six months? I'll take those jeans. Yeah. 
That's a nice shirt. He doesn't fit in it no more. It's out of fashion. It's not out of fashion for a 40-year-old man. I'll take that kid's clothes. I got nice clothes because I'm short. Hand-me-downs. Not a penny. Not a penny spent on these fancy nice clothes. But that's it. We don't need that much money. I'm not saying the USS Entrepreneur is unassailable. There's always something that can go wrong. I'm always prepared for that. Always prepared. But the number one thing is like, eh, once you, once you get that mortgage down, when you wrestle that sucker down, and you ain't got a lot of other expenses. I don't have a car. I don't have to get a car loan for an SUV. It's like, um, no. No, I think I'll, I think, I gotta stop drinking too. That saved a lot of money. Wasn't worth it. I'm just saying it saved a lot of money. It's just like, oh, we got extra, we got extra ammo. Where does this go? I don't know. Put that extra ammo over there. We got some extra armor. I put it over there. Weld it up to the other armor that was already good enough, but we'll just make sure we have backup. That was the other thing. Holy cow. Again, not to belabor you with the story of Clary. We'll get to the sponsors later. Don't worry about it. Uh, Just so you know, I I might as well mention this as well. Uh, Because of YouTube's demonetization, blah, blah, blah. uh, And I've been meaning to do this, but I was not as fast on it. I wanted to set up alternative channels. Uh, in case YouTube goes away, uh, it could be YouTube goes belly up. I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, too many assets invested into that. doesn't make money yet. I'm just saying. Uh, but whatever reason, you don't want to rely on just one channel. So I, I'm going through all the other different type of backup channels. So I have a VidMe account. You can find me on vid.me slash asshole consulting. Uh, and then also I, ha- I have had my daily motion account for quite some time. Uh, when Arini went through his magically just we're going to demonetize you thing, I'm like, well, I better set that up. And I did, uh, but I haven't really plugged it. But it's dailymotion.com slash Aaron Dash Clary. Uh, so I have that that video. But I'm going to be experimenting with these new video for So all asshole consulting videos are going uh, on VidMe this week because I want to test it out. And the week after that, they're all going to go on Daily Motion. People have been talking about Minds.com. I don't know about that. I have a Minds account. I just don't like it's like a Facebook. And everyone says, oh, it's for, for media. It's for YouTube. And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, oh, this looks more like a Facebook format. Uh, but I'll try that. And also, people are saying Vimeo. You got to pay for that. Regardless, what I'm going to do is I'm going to methodically and scientifically test them all. And I will, um, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll report back. Uh, but. So I said, I put together a video saying, hey, um, this week, videos, asshole consulting videos are not going to be on YouTube. They're going to be on VidMe. And then people are like, well, oh, you're leaving YouTube? Well, that's, that's the main platform. You can't, you can't do with I'm not going to. I'm like, does anyone listen? Does anybody listen? It's like, look, you guys were all complaining about YouTube demonetizing yourself. You're complaining about the USS Titanic YouTube sinking. And I'm thinking like, well, I'm going to get myself on this life raft called the USS Vidme, uh, you know, to continue with the the naval references. Uh, And then I'm also going to have a backup life raft called the USS Daily Motion. Well, you're not going, you don't know what that is. I mean, just the rookie league, know-nothing, wannabe dipshits. The, 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 not the jealous, it's, it's the, uh, the people that don't like being told the truth. I also know I'm getting trolled by one particular person, individual, individual, but it's not worth going into. But it's cute. It's funny. So I'm not, I'm not terribly worried about alienating people. The, the majority are coming from the peanut gallery. But 
still from a scientific or a observational or a academic type of view, looking at the response and the naivete and ignorance about like, guys, you got to get out. You, you, you at least have to have a backup plan. You need a plan B. You can't have one supplier of one of your most vital uh, components to make your machinery. You ought to go and get Vidme or this and then just the backlash. And then this, this is why asshole consulting, this is why I, I charge. I think maybe it was Freud that said um, people don't value something unless they pay for it. Um, and, this, and I've realized people don't follow my advice unless they pay for it. And I'm talking specifically amongst my friends. Like they ask me, I say, oh, yeah, da, 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 oh, no, but I, it's like you just asked me what I thought. And I didn't even finish telling you what I thought, and you are already debunking what I fucking told. Well, what the fuck did you ask me? And then I and I've been training myself to identify this earlier and earlier, so that when someone asks me for my opinion, especially amongst my friends, it's kind of sad. You almost have to be harder on your friends than random people on the internet. I've learned to just say, "Yeah, you know, you're going to pay me for that, and you're going to pay me a lot." And or like, here's asking, you know, I got my cards now. I got business cards. Like, here's that here. Contact this guy. Well, shit, man, I didn't know you were going to... I say, I am going to charge you for it. And I tell them right to their face because you're not going to listen to me otherwise. And then they never they never do it. And I got to... It's the same thing. I, I got to learn. You got to learn to understand that people do not want to improve. People do not want to achieve excellence in their life. They do not want to be successful. They What they are programmed, the majority of humans are programmed to do is sit on their ass and wait for solutions to solve themselves because it takes less energy. That's what it is. People do not want to put forth the effort to build up their own USS uh, entrepreneur. They do not want to put forth the effort to predict and forecast and hedge against bad things that happen. They do not want to put forth the effort to diversify their income streams. Glendon Cameron is probably, this is why I want to get him on because I, I almost got a little depressed and sad where it's like, I see all these opportunities for my friends and people and clients or whatever. I'm like, you could do this, you could do that. No one pulls the fucking trigger. And so the latest advancement in my psychological pursuit of Zen and calm and serenity and stoicism and relaxation and, and a better mental health is to not... Get worked up when I see the obvious solution to somebody else's problem. I don't get excited about it because it's it's quite uh, philosophical. You can you can see the clear one hundred percent guaranteed solution to somebody's problem, and it could be easy. It could be free. It's an easy fix, but that problem is not your problem, and therefore the problem will exist forever. Because that person will not execute. They will not take forth the initiative to resolve their own problem. And so what your problem is, what your responsibility is, is to not let somebody else's problem bother you. Because it kind of bothers you. It's like, oh, you could just do this and that. And then you try and you're like, why do you do You are already invested emotionally and psychologically in this person's betterment. Which you should be for loved ones and friends. <clears throat> or even your common man down the street. Obviously, you'd like to help somebody out. Uh, than not. But what I'm learning is that you cannot solve people's... Well, I know you can't solve people's problems. They have to solve it themselves. And you only lessen your life and make your stress go up and probably lessen and shorten your life expectancy 
trying to help. And so a lot of people say, oh, you're cold-hearted, you're mean, you really are an asshole. It's like, yes, yes, I am, because that is the quickest and most efficient way to get people to solve their problems. It's not by being nice to them. It's by slapping them across the fucking face, shaking them, kicking them in their ass, and yelling at them and shaming them. Or letting the bad shit happen to them. And then maybe they listen. There has to be the sting of pain. There has to be a cost to prompt people to solve their own solutions. And people will rather yell and scream and call you names and get pissed off, even though you may, you just solved the problem right there. Here's the solution. And, and, and thus, you, you go back. I don't do Zen. I don't do yoga. But I, I do kind of like, I don't meditate, but I just take a deep breath. It's not my problem. And I go smoke cigars and sleep in until 12 and play video games. It's really nice. All right, now we can go ahead and do sponsors, of which there are many because the USS Entrepreneur is adaptive and reactive. Praxy.com, if you are a specialist of some kind and uh, you're giving advice, it could be like me with Asshole Consulting. It could be you being a computer repairman. It could be you're a therapist. Whatever it is, you have some kind of expertise uh, and you have clients, please, 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 please consider getting Praxy. It's an app. You go online through your Google store, your iPhone store. It's spelled P-R-A-X-E-Y. I use it. I did an interview with the CEO. Um, so yes, he has paid me. He does run shows on this on this podcast. But <laughs> it's like Betterment. I use it, okay? I, I don't use Betterment. I am going to use it. I fully endorse the product because I either am or am about to use that product. Uh, but with Praxy, uh, it allows you to bill your clients when they need to FaceTime or Skype with you. Right? You could do it kind of like with Skype and a PayPal account. That's why I do with Asshole Consulting for one-on-ones. But this is just more efficient, more expeditious. And because your cell phone has a camera in it, especially if you are a tradesman, a mechanic, a computer repair guy, electrician, whatever, that allows you to say, oh, okay, show your camera over the alternator. Move left. Go up. Oh, okay, put your finger there. No, up a little more. Okay, you see that thing? That's the thing that got to be replaced, and that is called a carburetor, whatever. Right? It allows you to make money without having to leave the comforts of your own home. In my particular case, it has more of a micro-celebrity ship, although consultancy aspect to it. I had my first consultant on a, a client on Praxi two days ago. It was great. He's like, hey, I got, I'm got. i in a pickle and a jam. I'm like, all right, talk to me, brother. Uh, there's a little bit of, of, you have to be, it's VoIP, voice over internet protocol. So it's not like you just call somebody. You need to have good internet connection. So make sure you got a good data plan, stuff like that. And it worked. It worked. I was like so excited because it was watching like this thing, this embryonic entrepreneurial idea go from, you know, concept to practical application. I was one of the first ones. I actually made him his first couple bucks. Not the very first one. I think he made some money on other people. But it's like, hey, it's test proof. The concept, it's it's proven. So if you uh, are a expert in some field or another, or I've even suggested if you're a pretty girl and you want to just like basically get thirsty men to talk to you, because that's that's where it's going, uh, get the Praxy app. All right, you got to go online with your phone first. You, you download it, you install it. Then you have to go, you'll set up an account. You have to provide your credit card. That's how they pay. So don't freak out. 
but then you go online on the computer and you set up a profile and some other stuff as well. Just just letting you know that that process may be streamlined a little bit more. But yeah, Praxy, check it out. You can go to Praxy.com, see how it works. Uh, but the old captain is on Praxy, so if you need to contact the captain for whatever reason, it's already going to be on your dime. I'm more excited about it as like a toy. as like, this is fucking cool. So, you know, you want to talk to the captain, get Praxy, put it on your phone, get the old captain. You, you don't call, you Praxy the captain. Uh, the real Mark Baxter. Mark Baxter, is uh, he started his podcast, but he's getting the big weeks. He's doing a lot of interviews. You just search Real Mark Baxter or go to realmarkbaxter.com. Uh, he has his website and his podcast. Entrepreneurs in Cars, our good Canadian friend up north, Rich. He, um, he is an older gentleman such as myself, and he dispenses some wisdom from the comfort of his sports car. He drives around, although it always looks dark and gloomy because you're like, oh, yeah, you are in Canada because there's no sun. <laughs> I feel depressed. Focus on the guy. Don't look around at me. You're like, oh. That's what it's like to be in Canada. Oh, yeah, no wonder you guys voted for Trudeau. I can understand. But he's an older gentleman, just like your old captain, so we also need an older brother up again. Canada's older brother. There we go. It's Canada's older brother. He's on YouTube. Just search entrepreneurs in cars. Have you bought your nose hairs trimmers lately? He said, what's with the nose hairs? Every guy and girl, they won't admit it, because remember, girls don't fart, belch, or poop. They're just perfect. Every human has nose hairs. And you could sit there trying to pull it out indiscreet. You know, you're driving down the highway and your nose is itching and you're trying to yank out the hairs. I know you guys in your 20s don't think it's going to happen to you, but it will happen. It will happen. And trust you me, one of the best things you can buy is some nose hair trimmers. Where do you find it? You go to my Amazon affiliate program. You go to CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com. You click on the Amazon banner and then you just search nose hairs trimmers. I get a 6 to 7% cut. You don't pay any more. It's just compensation, a commission I get for driving traffic to Amazon's site. But you can buy other stuff there too. Today, I bought my own home distillery. You could get a distillery for 137 bucks. I got a home distillery kit so I can start making my own moonshine. I don't know. I want to down the road. When inevitably I do live in South Dakota on my ranch, that is not going to be happening anytime soon. <clears throat> but... On the Clary Ranch, I'm going to have a distillery, and I'm going to make scotches. And that's kind of another thing I want to do. Uh, I'm going to make very old scotches. And the reason I think is, one, I like scotch. I'm not uh, When I retire, maybe I'll start drinking again. But uh, that is, kind of, one, it's fun. But two, I like the booze and the currency and the in, in, inflation hedge um, with the scotches. I'd like to have, like, all of a sudden this batch of 35-year-old scotch come out when I'm about 70. And then I'm kind of like, yeah, 70, I, ma- I made it this far. Then I open up one of those those uh, 35-year bottle of scotches or 30-year scotches. And then it, it's a something of value. And then I can sell them uh, in a pinch if I need to. I, I just, I think it would be a nice way to go. Like, you know, I'll have different barrels of scotch aging and then, you know, every year, you know, you know, 70, 75, 80, 85, and heaven forbid if I make it to 90. But that'd be something to look forward to, you know. And I, ah, okay, we'll, we'll take this casket of scotch out and we'll call it the Clary, uh, you know, 83-year-old guy scotch. And it just, it'd be, give me something to look forward to as I'm older, you know. I thought I'd be, so I figured I better start learning now because for a scotch to age, it takes time. 
and so I'd just be sitting there, and I, I'd go walk through my 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 uh, warehouse of of, of scotch caskets. I'd, ah, yes, yes, this is my sky. I, I'd feel very uh, regal that way, you know, like on the commercials, those beer commercials. They're always smelling the hops, and they put take their hands, they dig in, and they pour. They don't actually do that. Or, you know, the Jack Daniels commercials where they take the ladle and they taste it and they all have beards and then they look and they, they nod their heads like, yes, this is a good way. I'm not going to do that either. I think I'm going to do it, but you just know it ain't going to look like that. You know, it's not going to be this golden light shining down and uh, there's going to be some babe and, you know, and, oh, these are the good years of scotch. That's not going to happen. It will, however, give me something to look forward to as I get older. All right, what else we got? Uh, so go uh, go through my Amazon affiliate program. Get your own distillery, uh, 137 bucks, and the old captain gets a commission. Uh, then we have my books. You can also buy that through the uh, Amazon affiliate program because that not only do I get my regular royalty check, I also get a commission on my own books, which is awesome and truly capitalistic. I'm sure one of you Spurgers, you Spurgos out there, are going to find fault with that, right? When you want to be entrepreneurs, when you USS Canoes coming up there uh, yelling at the USS Entrepreneur, yeah, you're just about the money. Why can't I find money? Oh my God, I don't have money. Oh, one plus one is two. No, it isn't. Anyway, so if you would like to buy my books, we have them out there, and you can for- you can form your your own USS Entrepreneur. Decade before I do. Honestly, if you take my advice that I have now, my wisdom I have now, and read it when you're 15, 14, 16, you're in your teens, I guarantee you're going to come up better than me, way better than me. So what are these books? Well, we got Reconnaissance Man. That's for all you boys and girls that don't know what to do when you graduate from high school. Or maybe you're in college and you're finding, I don't don't know what I want to study. And that's perfectly fine. If you don't know what you want to study, you don't want it to do, guess what? You're normal. That's normal. All right, so don't worry too much. I mean, have a you got to get a game plan, but you got more time than you think. There's no rush, and you're gonna make a mistake rushing off to college just to make your parents happy because they said you gotta go to college. You gotta, you better go to college, otherwise you gotta cut your funding off. I don't care what you do, just go to college. That's because most parents are fucking idiots. All right, so talk to America's older brother. Get get my book, Reconnaissance Man. Read it. It is a must. If if you can, and you don't have to be a teenager or a 20-something in college to read this. If you don't know what to do, you're coming off of a divorce, you uh, you find out you don't like your career, or you're just not happy where you're going, get this book. It is the roadmap to life that didn't get the instruction manual that didn't come with life. It's short. It's sweet. It gives you... It's very clear, very simple, methodical. So it'll get you lo- unlost. It will get you unlost, and it'll get you to the land of Canaan. That's reconnaissance, man. You can find it on Amazon. The Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty, that is simply for what its subtitle states, for black men who demand better. If you have to be a young black man or an old black man, you just happen to be black and male. Look at your skin, then look down your shorts, and if one is black and the other is, is there's something there, frankly, you are a black male. <laughs> you also probably should be in poverty. Like, if you're a rich black male, so you, you look at your skin, if that's black, okay, check one. Look down your shorts. You see a penene down there. Okay, that's that's second check too. Then you look in your wallet. If you got a lot of money in there, okay, then then you don't need it. But if there's no money in there, you know, a little fly flies out, a little puff of dust. Okay, then you're poor. Then that book is for you. <laughs> so get the Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty. I want to thank O'Shea Jackson. Um, uh, he, you go to O'Shea's Vlogcast. That's on YouTube. 
he's really been helping me out. He helped me reach out to a lot of young black men. Uh, because as you know, there may, we have a disproportionately high percentage of minority males that listen to this show. Uh, but obviously you guys are the freaks of nature because you're not leftist socialist retards. And, and you, are, you are the ones that are the Uncle Toms and the Oreos or whatever else derogatory names uh, people call you. Uh, but uh, O'Shea has been getting that more widely out to the wider black community. So I want to thank O'Shea. Uh, for that. Then we have Bachelor Pad Economics. That's for all the guys out there. It is the financial advice Bible for men. And as I always say, women who are brave enough to read it. Most women aren't brave enough to read that. They want to read things that they that they want to believe in. They want to be regurgitated and told. Um, but if you want to improve your financial life, regardless whether you're a black male or not, Bachelor Pad Economics is for you. All right, so you can find that available on Amazon as well. We have uh, Worthless, the Young Person's Indispensable Guide to Choosing the Right Major. A lot of you are coming around. You're finishing off your first year of college. And you're like, huh, I don't know if I like college. I don't know if college is for me. I don't know if my degree is worthwhile. Well, get worthless. Don't piss away in on a hundred thousand grand on a worthless degree. Have you not seen the articles and the news stories and everything about kids with student uh, loans and debt? All right, so please don't be dumb. Get get worthless. All right, get your cousins, get your uncle or not your uncle, get your nieces, your nephews, your sons, your daughters, parents, older people, mentors. If you have a young person in your life that you love and they're off in college or they're about to go to college or they're going to graduate from high school, perfect high school graduation gift. Perfect. Get worthless. We also have enjoyed the decline. All of you who thought that Trump was going to be your savior, I love it how cynical libertarian who you should also visit, Sin Lib Soch, the Cynical Libertarian Society. Look it up. He always plays this music at the introduction to his show. And he's always like, Trumpening. You thought he'd be the Messiah, but he's not. He's just the other guy that you voted for. He's going to screw you over. And it was 100% true. You know, everyone, look, I voted for Trump because the fuck if I was going to vote for Hillary. Uh... But I didn't have any hope. I You never have hope. Did, I, did Obama teach you guys nothing? You never have hope. You never are supposed to have hope. And everyone thought that, you know, he's going to save the world. Trump is going to, it's like, and then he attacks Syria. And then to see the peacenik community of the trench coat wearing virgin libertarian girl just freak the fuck out over it. Not that I disagree with them in principle. I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't just be attacking people. But but that that you thought, yeah, what? It's, this guy was going to be, he was going to be the Messiah. This guy was going to be perfect. Everybody demands perfection in their politicians. And then they wonder why are they lying? It's only God. However, me and the cynical libertarian, we are older, wiser gentlemen like Mr. Piggott. Like entrepreneurs in cars, we know that you're just going to get fucked over. This is another battle screen technique of the USS entrepreneur. It just knows no matter what, the politicians are going to fuck you over. So we don't have any hope or faith. Steady as she goes, Captain. Steady as she goes. Uh, So Enjoy the Decline had a little uptick in sales once it turned out, once the gleam came off, once the the honeymoon period was over with uh, President Trump. Uh, So get get the book Enjoy the Decline. It's more relevant than ever. It is living and accepting the death of the, or living with and accepting the death of the United States. So please get that book. We have Curse of the High IQ. If you are really smart, and you are because you're listening to this podcast, uh, you have a high IQ, and that means you got to read the book Curse of the High IQ. Why would I read that? 
being smart's an advantage. It is. You'd rather be intelligent than dumb. There are advantages, but that doesn't mean it's this panacea of happiness. There are drawbacks. Like, did you fall asleep at school? Were your teachers fucking morons? You didn't realize it when you were a kid? You thought there was something wrong with you? That didn't cause any pain or confusion for like, oh, I don't know, 13 fucking years now, did it? So do two things. One, go get your IQ tested online, okay? When you find out, oh my God, I got a pretty high IQ, go buy the book, Curse of the High IQ, and it's going to make your life a lot easier. It will explain a lot of things that you either are or are not aware of, but they are problems that you think that it's just because of your personality. Oh, I got I got ADD. No, you don't. You're just probably really smart, and the rest of the world is fucking slow and pathetically stupid compared to you, okay? So you don't need to take drugs. You don't need to slow yourself down to the normie level, okay? You don't lower your level. We go full speed here at USS Entrepreneur. We, we put rockets on the battleship. That's how fast we go. You can't put rockets on the battle. Shut up, normie. We put bat- rockets on I battleship. Watch the sucker go. So anyway, get Curse of the High IQ. All right, all my books are available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook because if you're a smart person, you don't sit there and read. That takes too damn long. You'll be doing other shit. So get my books in audio as well. The only one that is not available in audio is The Black Man's Got Out of Poverty. I may uh, get that uh, recorded. I'm a bit reluctant. I know uh, O'Shea has really helped put that up to the to the sales rank. That's helped with a lot of sales. But if, if it's going to be permanent, cool. Like if this is actually starting to spread like wildfire, I will get an audio version up and ready. But I, I don't want to just be like kind of a one-shot wonder where it's like, oh, yeah, it worked. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, every, all five black men who, who want to read it read it and, and then no one else wants it back because it was written by a white guy. Then we have other people's book, uh, Frank Servey's book, Uncle Nick, Burning the Midnight and Pretty Lies Parish. Uh, Those are um, uh, Uncle Nick and Burning the Midnight are two books about Uncle Nick, which is a fictional red pill, Manosphereian type of character. He's kind of like me. He has zero fucks to give, and he just lives his life telling little kids, his nieces, and his nephews, yeah, this is how it is in the adult world. And the adults are pissed off because he's telling the kids the truth, and he tells women where to shove it, and he shows up on dates late, and then girls are like, oh, my God, and then he's like laying them later because that's how it works. In other words, everyone hates Uncle Nick except the silent majority. So if you're the silent majority, you want to see Uncle Nick give it to the politically correct people of the world, go get the Uncle Nick series. That's called Uncle Nick and Burning the Midnight and Frank Servey's third book called Pretty Lies Parish. That is not an Uncle Nick book though. Montrose County, that's another author that has advertised on the Clary podcast. Uh, It is kind of a Jason Bourne, Vince Flynn type of international global espionage terrorism story. Uh, there is a vet from Massachusetts, Iraqi vet. She has retired to escape the trauma of the Iraq war. And she has retired to become sheriff of Montrose County in Colorado. I've been to Montrose County. It's mountainous. It's beautiful. And in this story, the president is going to have a visit in Montrose County. So she's got to prepare for that. Unbeknownst to her, there are two Canadian snipers in Iraq who after sifting through an attack, they find out there is going to be an assassination attempt on the president in Montrose County. But the problem is, because of the battle that had ensued, there's no way they can radio this back to headquarters. Oh, the radio's busted. You know how that goes. That always happens in the movies. And it happens in this book, too. (laughs) 
and they gotta battle their way mile by mile back to command so they can send it. Now, do they make it in time? We don't know. So, you can see where this gets very interesting. Uh, they have this information. Will it get to Montrose County in time? The I, FBI, the CIA, don't know. Well, who's going to be the first line of defense? It's going to be the sheriff of Montrose County. And is she going to be able to stop the terrorist attack? I don't know. You're going to have to read Montrose County, though. For, I don't know, It does sound like a good book. That's available on my blog at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. But you could go to amazon.com and get it there. He converted it to uh, Kindle as well. So that's good. All right. Ed Lattimore's new book, Not Caring What Other People Think, is a superpower written by Ed. It looks like a um, uh, bits of advice that Ed has learned throughout his life. And you want to listen to Ed because he is the world's most interesting man, the real-world incarnation of the world's most interesting man. Uh, he is a professional heavyweight boxer, I think 13-1 and one now. Um, he is, uh, what is he, a physicist? He studied physics? I thought it was electrical engineering. He's some... IT, he, he studied STEM. He's also uh, an officer in the National Guard. Uh, he, let's just put this, he's just a better guy than you. You know, fuck you, you're not Ed Lattimore. You know, like, he's just like, ah, I know this one guy, um, older fella. He was an F-4 fighter pilot in Vietnam. He's a CPA, multimillionaire, has a bunch of businesses. Uh, he, he hiked the Andes. And when I was first meeting this guy, I can't tell you who it is, but he, he is one of the, he's an older, world's most interesting man. Because I think I'm pretty cool, you know? And in all honesty, yeah, yeah, I do some pretty cool shit. I do ballroom dancing and motorcycle riding. And so I met this guy out west. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to go hike again. And because he's older, I kind of give him guff. I said, we'll, we'll go on the easy route. He's like, you'd be surprised. And I say, oh, yeah, really? And then he's telling me about his hikes. And then he's like, you just learn all this other stuff about this guy. And so everyone's like just all these kind of guys my age, you know, 40-something, 30-something, even even upper 40s. Our jaws are just hitting the ground because, like, we're looking at, like, this most masculine fucking kick-ass guy ever. And my outfit, we're pretty accomplished guys. You know, my pilot buddy, Matt Baldoni. We got several highly ranked officers in the military. And we're just listening to this guy. So now the running joke is... I can't mention it. Let's just say his name is Bob. His name isn't Bob. We'll just say it is Bob. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll be like tooting our own horn a little bit too much. Like, yeah, this is pretty good. And you look over. Yeah, but you're no Bob. Do you fly a four Phantoms in the Vietnam War? Yeah, well, fuck you. You're a pussy compared to Bob. <laughs> and Ed Lattimore, he ain't no Bob. We're all pussies compared to Bob. And everybody else except Bob is a pussy compared to Ed Lattimore. So get get Ed's book, Not Caring What Other People Think is a Superpower, of course, available on Amazon.com. Adam Pickett's website, go to PushingRubberDownhill.com, and he's got two books out, Run Guts, Pull Cones, and Pushing Rubber Downhill. Uh, he also has a podcast on his site, Pushing Rubber Downhill. Just go to PushingRubberDownhill.com, and you'll see he's got his own online media empire down there. Uh, he puts out a great podcast. I enjoy it very thoroughly. Gives me a ribbon every once in a while. He said I was wrong one time. Could you believe Adam said I was wrong? Just shows you why we got to nuke that whole fucking Aussie country right there. That was fucking bad. They have one guy. They let one guy say I was wrong. President Clary. Actually, if I was a president, I'd like lower everybody's expectations so there would be no like, he struck Syria. I told you I'd strike Syria. I told you I'd nuke Australia. Did you not hear my speech? There was a whole hubbub about it, and they said, oh, he's just joking. I said, oh, you think? Oh, well, Sydney's now just a nice field of glass, isn't it? 
Yeah, let's see the Aboriginals get up from that one. Yeah. Yeah, they were more adapted to the climate. Yeah. They said there's nobody left. We'll see if the koalas manage this. Where's the precious eucalyptic trees now? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's Adam Piggott. You can visit him at pushingrubberdownhill.com. And then um, Marty Andrade. Hang on. Let me look up the book. Uh, Marty Andrade has two books out. I know one is Pushing Rubber... Or not Pushing Rubber Downhill. Nixon's Guide to the Multiverse. Now, sometimes it goes by Marty. Martin. Marty Andrade. Okay, and then his new book, Finding D.B. Cooper, Chasing the Last Lead in America's Only Unsolved Skyjacking. All right, so that came out in October 2016. It's available in Kindle. Marty. Oh, and paperback. Good, good. Marty put them in both. Uh, I have not read that. Oh, no, I have read that one. I reviewed it. It is very good. Um, I'm not much of a whodunit sleuth and detective type of guy. Uh, but if you are interested in a very clinical and detailed analysis of the D.B. Cooper skyjacking, or if you just don't know about it, um, that's something really interesting to look into, and Marty's book uh, does cover it. So um, this guy basically hijacked a plane, a commercial airline, and he parachuted out of it with, I think, a quarter million dollars? It was back in the 70s, so it was something back then. And they haven't found him. They have found bits of the... Uh, of the um, paper they have found some of these dollar bills so it's very interesting but if you want to look into it i'd get that book finding db cooper chasing the last lead in america's only unsolved skyjacking and then a book that i absolutely thoroughly enjoyed i recommend everybody get this richard's richard nixon's guide to the multiverse um it's kind of like a sequel to hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's just hilarious it is absolutely i mean i would i probably should go read it again he, he brilliantly takes an entire new world economy and bases it on coffee beans, which frankly is more realistic than U.S. paper funny money. Uh, that, that is true. <laughs> but he finds out the whole world. It's got an element of like Men in Black, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and economics based on the currency of coffee beans. I don't know what more you need to go buy that fucking book then. If that right there isn't interesting enough, I can't have it help you. You're just not human. Uh, so that's uh, Nixon's Guide to the Multiverse and Finding D.B. Cooper Chasing the Last Lead in America's Only Unsolved Skyjacking. So that's Marty Andrade. Then we have the Glimmervale Chronicles by Michael Kingswood. You can find that on Amazon as well. It's, um, hang on, I got it here. Give me a second. <coughs> All right, one, two, three, four. And we go. Four books, the titles of which are Glimmervale, Tollard's Peak, Rob Blind and Outdweller. Uh, oh, wait, I wrote those in wrong order. It's Glimmervale, Outdweller, Tollard's Peak, and Robbed Blind. That's the one. And uh, basically, it's a fantasy fiction, but with a, more of a Western frontierism element to it. Uh, so if you are, I, I, anyone who likes that type of genre, it's kid-friendly, certainly kid-friendly. I think it is written for young adults. Uh, I have not read it because I'm busier than hell, and um, he hasn't put it in an audiobook yet. <laughs> Maybe I should read it, but I, it costs an arm and a leg uh, to do reviews. I used to do reviews, and I would charge $500 because I just don't like reading. But I would lower it like to you know 300 if they had an audiobook. But anyway, uh, Glimmervale Chronicles, spelled Glimmervale, V-A-L-E. Not the snooty veil like in Colorado, like V-A-L-E. By Michael Kingswood. You can find those books there. And these are not his only books. I think he's got a, a ton of different books 
out there as well. Average Married Dad's Guide to Health, Wealth, and a Sexy Marriage by Alex Peck. You can find that on Amazon as well if you're married. Carrie Lutz's Viral Podcasting. If you are interested in getting into the world of podcasting and making money, listen. go listen to a guy that actually makes money and makes a living off of podcasting. We all know Carrie Lutz. He has his website, financialsurvivalnetwork.com. He's kind enough to have me on his show every once in a while. Um, and if you want to learn about financial markets specifically as it pertains to precious metals, inflation, central banking, that type of stuff, you'll learn you'll learn a lot about economics. Like if you if you're a lazy person and you don't want to read something so structured as you know economics in one lesson or something that like a book, and you just want to listen to something and slowly learn it intuitively. I'd really strongly recommend going to financialsurvivalnetwork.com um, because he does have you know real economists unlike me. Uh, ones with degrees who can't predict shit. No, I'm kidding. They predict good stuff. Anyway, uh, he has uh, actual, quote, professional economists on who talk about economics, and you'll just learn a lot, kind of backdoor your way into economics with a really good foundation, fundamental understanding. And then tap whiskey, without the E, spelled just W-H-I-S-K-Y, tapwhiskey.com. If you are interested in buying whiskey, go to tapwhiskey.com. Help out Rolo Tomasi. That's, that's a... One of the three R's out of Roosh, Roycey, and Rollo. This is the actual Rollo. He has tap whiskey. He sells booze. I know. Hang on. Now, here. Let, let me give you guys five seconds to go sit down in a chair because this is going to hurt. I know this may shock you. Okay. Are you sitting down? But Rollo didn't rely solely on his YouTube revenue. I know this may sh- he, he has another source of income. He has multiple streams of income. And he didn't just rely on Blogger or his Amazon book affiliates. I know that's crazy. I know that hurts a lot. of. Let's just go hunt him down and kick his ass. Let's do that for daring to be reactive and preparatory. <laughs> anyway, if if you're interested in whiskey, I'm probably going to go buy some. I gotta. I keep saying I'm going to do all this stuff. And then it's like, oh, I got to run. Oh, and then it's, and then it's 3 a.m. and I'm sleeping. Uh, but help out, you know, send you a try it. Actually, if you do try it, let me know what it's like. Um, I'm not a big whiskey connoisseur, but I'd be kind of curious what tap whiskey is like. So it's tapwhiskey.com. Help out our good friend, uh, Rolo. From the world of leftists don't think more than one step ahead, New York's free tuition program comes with a major catch. I know, I know copious amounts of sperm and ejaculate have resulted from the left. The Mississippi River is starting to change its colors. There's just been so much coming from the left uh, uh, because of this free tuition program. <clears throat> but but uh, you, it's balanced. It goes back to my belief, not my belief, but I'm starting to say it's a law now because I, I truly do believe it, uh, that there is equilibrium and that for every good thing, there has to be a bad thing. There always have to be balance. So here we are. Governor, Governor Cuomo's much-heralded new program for free tuition at state colleges comes with a huge catch. Under a provision that was added to the tuition bill at the last moment. Oh, see, some leftists got smart. Some leftists got smart. Did hey, wait a minute. If we invest in the children and they go work at a state where it's free and no state income tax, then we're going to lose out. Students who get a free ride at any CUNY and SUNY schools must live and work in New York State for up to four years after graduation or be faced, forced to pay the money back. 
And they're, ne- they're going to be stuck in New York forever. You want to why? Because the vast majority of dipshit New Yorkers, well, okay, the vast majority of New Yorkers are dipshits, the, especially the younger kids. You're all going to major in stupid crap. You're all going to have the New York State taxpayer pay for your shit. And then you're not going to be able to find a job. And you, look, if New York City and New York State wasn't already this, this dense mass of gravitational leftist pull to keep you young kids from going out and ever exploring, you know, the other side of the Hudson or getting on the other side of the Mississippi. This is going to tie and tether you guys down forever. Because how long does it take you guys to pay off your student loans as it is now? You would have to be stuck in New York for four years. And that four years after college is critical because that's usually where you develop your roots. I wrote about in Reconnaissance, man, get the book. It's my biggest mistake. That's why I'm still here in Minnesota, despite hating it. But they will be stuck in New York City, or New York, for four years. And then, what, you're going you're gonna to make your $10 an hour at the barista to pay off your master's? See, and a lot of you think, oh, I didn't even think about this one. You idiots aren't even going to just go for your, for your bachelor's degree, are you? You're all going to go get your doctorate. So you're stuck in New York for eight years. Then you have to be there another four years. So that's 12 years on top of 18. You're going to be 32 years old. And that's assuming you get a job that will actually, you know, that, that can support you in New York. And then you are, you are screwed. You are screwed. You're limited to one in 50 states of where you can go work. All because you chased that mighty free tuition. Ah, you believed in Bernie Sanders. Oh, you believed in Bernie Sanders. And now you are anchored. Most of you will be anchored for about a decade to that state because you just will not be able to work up the money. Oh, I want to leave. Well, you got to pay us back. Okay, fine. And then you'll leave and then you'll have student loans again. So there's no way. You're all fucked. Oh, you stupid New York blue state idiots. Oh, this is great. The amendment, which was not part of Cuomo's original offer to free college for middle class students, was added at the insistence of Republicans in this. Oh, you stupid Republicans. Oh. The Republican. Guys, look, this makes you look. Oh. See, the Republicans. I told. What I tell you about Republicans being stupid? They don't know what they're doing. The Republicans should have just let the left shoot themselves in the foot. They should have just let them shoot themselves in the foot. And the Republicans should have just shut it. See, now you guys look like the bad guys because you're crushing our dreams, man. Oh, stupid Republicans. The GOP members worried that taxpayer-educated students would take their valuable, yeah, valuable knowledge and flee to other parts of the United States, particularly from remote upstate communities. New York spends $1 billion on college financial assistance. There is a brain drain problem, said Senate GOP spokesman Scott Reef. We have to get away from educating people and then having them move away. We want to create a climate for business and new... But yeah, but you... I, here's an instance of the Republican Party thinking there's still hope and erroneously thinking there's hope that results in a strategy that is guaranteed to fail. The Republicans in New York State should be waging a a guerrilla warfare campaign. They should be making it look like, look, you just let them, okay, the Democrats control this area, but we're going to make it hell for them, we're going to make it costly for them, and we're going to make them look as bad as possible in front of uh, the electorate. You just got to cause them pain. You guys still idealistic, oh, look, 
Oh, the Republicans are going to help the, re the taxpayers of New York. Oh, are you? Are you? The Republicans of New York State should be saying, look, we're going to get a program to get all the smart people and the hardworking people out of here. We're going to, have, we're going to work with the Republicans of Florida. And we're going to ship out all of our talent. You should be encouraging brain drain. Your goal should be to make New York a shithole more than it already is. Oh, but we really think there's hope. We might be able... You know, Donald Trump, he's from here. He might carry New York. We have to get away to that. Como agreed with the change. Why should New Yorkers pay for your college education and then you pick up and you move to California, Como said during a call with state editorial writers. The concept of investing in you and your education is that you're going to stay here and be an asset to the state. <laughs> You're going to think, just said it. Let me reread that again, ladies and gentlemen, so you fucking dipshit millennial and Gen Zers get there through your fucking head. The concept of investing in you and your education is that you're going to stay here and be an asset to the state. You are property, you dumb motherfuckers. That's all you are to the left. May I point out the Republicans waged a war during the Civil War to make it so that blacks would no longer be an asset to the southern states. Or in that case, private ownership of Southerners. But it, the whole concept of freedom, and you guys, oh, the Republicans, yeah, yeah, they are for freedom. They, and with freedom comes the, the not only the responsibility or the, the benefit of being free, but the responsibility of supporting yourself. But if you want the government in the state to pay for you, guess what? They're going to want some money in return. Kind of like a rich guy with a trophy wife, he expects to get blown every once in a while. And now you guys take the government money from the government mafia, and surprise, surprise, they view you as an asset of the state. You kids will go there, and you're dumb, you're dumb, you're so stupid, you'll go, you'll go and you'll, you'll cripple, you'll literally cripple your futures and your careers and your finances, because you will be anchored to New York State. But one professor of higher education slammed the proposal as economically and educationally foolish. As someone who has worked on almost every free college bill, I promise Governor Cuomo won't be remembered if he keeps this provision. Temple University professor Sarah Goldrick Rabb tweeted, yeah, well, she's probably like, I, I, <clears throat> she has other aims. She just wants free shit for everything with no responsibilities attached to it. I understand the logical argument for insisting that students stay there. But the Republicans fucked that one up. I just want to point out the consequences of taking government money. They get to tell you what to do. All right, let's bang out the last sponsors here. Assholeconsulting.com. You guys got questions. I got answers for a price. If you have a question that is generally not answered in my you know, previous videos, my other books and my other works of the podcast, and it's you know, something specific to your situation and you need... You know, the inside of an independent third party, older brother, angry, pissed off asshole type who doesn't care about your feelings and only cares about you. Go to assholeconsulting.com. Send me your questions there. Captain will take care of you. Uh, also remember, there's that Praxy option either, in which case you don't even have to go to asshole consulting. You just call me up on Praxy. Uh, if you'd like to advertise on the podcast and the YouTube and the blog and the podcast and all that other stuff, you may. You may do that and help advance the USS Entrepreneur. And then, if anything, just advertise on the show to piss off all the Spurgers who hate it that I make money on ad. I dare to charge for advertising. Do a public service. Yeah, Captain, do a public service announcement. Hey, you should monetize your shit. The captain said so. I just paid for that public service announcement. I like, thank you very much, Bill.
So if you'd like to advertise, please do. We got about 3,000 unique listeners weekly on the Clary Podcast. I got 30,000 followers on YouTube. I have, I think I got 100 followers on vidme.com and another 100 followers on on uh, Daily Motion. We'll give that a little bit of time. That has to grow, obviously, as a platform. Uh, but I, I plug it out to all my different social media sites. Uh, then we have Chad Elkins at elkinscpa.com if you need some accounting work done. Don't count them. Don't call them now. Now is not the time. Oh, God, I got to get my taxes done. It's almost April 15th. Don't call him now. He only takes good clients. Chad is not a charity case. He does not work with retards or morons. Okay? Have your shit together. All right? Going forward, you might want to have Chad take a look at your taxes that you had somebody else do. See if there's a way to save some money. If you did TurboTax, trust you me, it's worth paying Chad the 50 or 100 bucks to have him look at it and say, oh, I could save you money here. I could save you money there. All right, so uh, contact him. And then if you have any other business financial consulting type of thing, you, he's look, I, I can't say, but uh, Chad has worked high up at places. This isn't some kid fresh out of school. He's an old fart. No, I'm kidding. He's like 32, 34. He's, not, he's no youngin'. He might have a gray hair on his pubes somewhere. Anyway, the point is, if you have a business or you have some kind of other question outside the realm of taxes, you need some kind of consulting advice, and you don't trust me, go to elkinscpa.com, hire Chad, let him know the captain sent you. He'll know who that is. And I get free lodging when I go to Chicago. That's how it works. Is that acceptable, Spurgville YouTube content creators, that I get barter, that I get free lodging? I'm not getting money for that. Is that okay that I uh, help plug out uh, plug Chad? Well, I plug him because he's a good accountant too. That's That's another reason. Uh, but I also get free lodging. But is that okay? I'm not taking money? Let me know what the rules are there in Spurgville. Uh, then we have the League of Extraordinary Podcasters, 405media.com. John Grant's outfit over there. If you are sick of tired listening to the Clary Podcast, go to 405media.com. We have Obsidian Radio. That's on YouTube. Uh, the, the Sage of Philadelphia. A uh, young black man out there listening to Obsidian Radio. O'Shea Jackson. It is O'Shea vlogcast you can find that on youtube um he still has his old youtube channel i think so if you want to go through the archives you can but youtube totally did something weird and screwed him over there like all of a sudden thirty six thousand subscribers went away uh it doesn't matter because he's got a voice he's really good uh especially if you're a young black man and i understand you know hey the old captain will help you out yeah i'm your older brother i'll help you out but yeah, you want to talk to a black guy sometime because shit, let's face it, I'm not black and I don't have the black experience. You want to talk to a guy who does have the black experience, is a black man, and is one weird crazy dude because uh, he's out in Poland getting his doctorate. <laughs> he's becoming a doctor in Poland. Uh, look up O'Shea's Vlogcast on YouTube. That's O'Shea Jackson, not the rapper, not to be confused with the rapper, but O'Shea's Vlogcast. You can find that on YouTube. Com. Financial Survival Network with Kerry Lutz. We talked about him before. Canto Talk. Silvio Canto on Blog Talk Radio. C-A-N-T-O. Canto Talk. Find him. He's our good Latino agent uh, down south in the Dallas field. BlowMeUpTom.com. Our friend St. Lycus. Our father who art in Los Angeles. How old be Blow Me Up Tom? Go there. Advertise on his site if you're an entrepreneur. Uh, I cannot emphasize advertising on the Lycus, uh, Tom Lycus show enough. Sunoco Libertarian Society, we talked about them, uh, him. And a new uh, YouTube channel, V Speaks. Just as it sounds, V Speaks. He is a Romanian 
living in Ireland who moved out there to work to help support his family. He's a younger man, but unlike most younger men, he has been supporting himself because he doesn't come or hail from the rich, prissy suburbs of the United States. So he has some interesting insights, especially if you're a younger fellow. I'm a little bit too older for you. You may like somebody who's a little bit younger. He's 24. But you can find him on YouTube, VSpeaks, at uh, Amazon, or not Amazon, YouTube.com. And then I don't have it here. Let me look it up. Give me a second. I didn't put it on the list, but I just put up the ad today. Uh, another book, The Economics of Catholic Subsidiarity. Not subsidiary, subsidiarity. Uh, this is a book that kind of tackles the, uh, the problem of aligning Catholicism with free market economics, which is very interesting. Written by James DePrisco, DePrisco, P-R-I-S-C-O, DePrisco, I think, DePrisco, James DePrisco. Um, he's a Catholic, good Catholic. He's also a capitalist and free marketer, and they wanted to write a book that would tie the two together and show how they overlap. Another concern he had is the leftist bias starting to happen, be it feminism, oh, we'll baptize um, uh, pets, uh, you know, female pastors. That doesn't happen in the Catholic Church. But the emphasis moving away from traditionalism and having politics and leftism and social justice warriorism, not to mention having a fake Catholic, uh, communist pope. I don't know why you guys have that communist. Uh, you guys got to go find the real pope. Uh, he doesn't slam on the Pope in this way. You might. Uh, I don't know, but it wasn't about I'm just saying you guys are a leftist organization now. You're not a religious organization. He addresses all that here. So if you're a good Catholic, you are a conservative libertarian or not a leftist, and you're worried about the left infringing and infiltrating and infecting and therefore ruining your religion, I think all Catholics here on the old cappy-capite sphere should go buy this book. That's The Economics of Catholic Subsidiarity. You can find that on Amazon.com, paperback and Kindle. I think you have to look them up separately, yeah, because I'm here in the formats. Yeah, you have to go to like the Kindle store. store. He hasn't um, combined them together. Uh, academiccomposition.com. For those of you who are looking to have your final papers written, go to academiccomposition.com, where Alex and his crackpot team of writing staff will write your papers for you. Do what all smart corporations do, and that is outsource the shit you don't want to do because that's smart to get your MBA. It's just outsourcing it. And then some teachers, frankly, don't give a shit. They just want their check because they don't really give a shit about your education. So go to academiccomposition.com. Have other people write your homework for you. If you want to make some money on the side, you can go to academiccomposition.com and you can work for them. Email Alex. Uh, it's just info at academiccomposition.com, I believe. But go to the site and make sure. Um, he will go ahead and uh, he's looking for employees always to advertise, do marketing, and write. Neither job is exciting Neither job is rewarding. That's why you paid. Uh, but you could do it pretty much from the comforts of your own home. So it is location independent. And um, you guys could go ahead and do that there. Holy shit. My tenant gained 80 pounds. I can hear this through the headphones. Uh, then we have uh, uh, some voice actors who are always happy to do your voice recording for you. I use them for my book uh, books. And that is jimfear138.blogspot.com and undertowaudio. Com. Two young gentlemen, two very good professionals, very affordable. If you have books out there, hint, hint, all you guys who are sponsoring the Clary Podcast who are authors, go contact these guys. Please do. You know, drop a couple grand on a, on a reasonably short book. It's worth it. They do a great job. You can have it on audio and uh, audible.com and you can have yourself a third string of income. If that's okay with the whiny, complaining Spurgville 
citizens. The citizens of Spurgill, of Spurgville on the YouTube community. Is that all right if these guys get a third stream of income? Is that okay if they diversify? Or are they just losers for doing that? The USS Entrepreneur carries on. Uh, and then uh, if you'd like to advertise your books, uh, there's no better place to advertise. Well, okay, there is no better place to advertise than my website. But the second best place to advertise your books is Instagram.com slash Ultimate Reading List. Max, he's a guy who runs this site out there. It's an Ultimate Reading List. He's got about 30,000 followers. It's worth $100 a month to advertise on his site. I use it. I advertise on it. Darn right, my new book coming out about how to revolutionize retirement. Uh, I'm going to advertise. One of the first places I'm going to go is uh, Max's site. If you want to advertise on that site, go to Max at, or email Max by emailing him at Max at Wooter.co, not com.co, Max at Wooter, W-O-O-T-E-R.co. Also then, uh, we have all my different social media, gab.ai, minds.com, Twitter, Vidme, and Daily Motion. If you want, I think you can sign up or follow, subscribe, and like, and all that other stuff. So just to let you know, that's we're trying to diversify out of YouTube. Is that okay, Sparkville? Is that all right? Can I have permission to go do that? No, no, you guys know everything with your fucking MBAs from Wharton and the U of Chicago. Uh, and then also, I, I looked, I finally got a breakdown. I, I got these two online classes, you guys know them. The Analysis Evaluation of Stocks and Stocks, Bonds, Investing, Oh My. To this day, one of my best writing, especially given how young it was I was when I wrote it, is the Analysis Evaluation of Stocks. I think it's a great class uh, you should take it if you want to learn about reading financial statements, taxes, what is valuation, economics, how do we read finance. I mean, you want to learn about the stock. It's a great class, but it only accounts for like a fifth of my overall enrollment. And it's sad and tragic because I'm like, look, this is so much better than the introductory one. But I know the introductory one has wider appeal because it is an introductory course to retirement planning, investing, and stuff like that. So I, I understand. I just feel like, it's like, hey, I made this much better dish over here. And people are like, no, we want the hot dogs and burgers. I'm like, yeah, but I have souffle and creme brulee and other things that end with vowels and comes from France. Don't you want to try it? They're like, no, we want to eat our Alexandra Stevenson pile of shit. Like, All right, never mind. I'll go put it back in the fridge. <laughs> so if you would like to take some classes online, learn about retirement planning, all that other stuff, I have two classes, Stocks, Bonds, Investing, Oh My. That's the first one. You can find that online. And then my favorite one, the Analysis Evaluation of Stocks. Both available online, offered through hundreds of different online sources and resources, stuff like that. Uh, since it's online, you just have to search the title, Stocks, Bonds, Investing, Oh My, and the Analysis Evaluation of Stocks, and then sign up for wherever it's cheapest, okay? Because it's online. It doesn't really matter. Unless you want to take it through your college where you get college credit, you can do that too. Uh, then we have, uh, finally, the last bit of sponsoring is Betterment. I have a Betterment affiliate program. This is if you got your house paid off, you have no debts, and now it's time to start saving up for retirement planning. Uh, there's no better way than to go through Betterment. Go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the Betterment banner. It's kind of bluish. It's on the right side. Click on that and then sign up through them, and that's where you're going to set up your IRA account. Right? You say, well, why would I do it? It's because they only do index funds and because they're a robo-advisor. They do not have Slicky McSlickerson, the salesman, selling you shit, asking you questions, plugging it into a software model, 
to have their actuaries tell him to tell you what to do. They get rid of Slicky McSlickerson. You plug your own damn variables in the exact same software. They tell you what to invest in in terms of index funds. You do it, you set it up, you get your tax deduction, you set you off to the races. It's very low expenses, all right? That's what I'm going to use when I pay off my house. In theory, not in theory, I am going to use Betterment, but I got to pay off my house, in theory. Uh, but hopefully that day is coming sooner than later. And that's, uh, I got fam. You know what? We're not going to do fam. I'll lead in next podcast with family. Anyway, that's it. Uh, go subscribe, vote, comment, like, write reviews on I, the iTunes thing. Men, check your nuts for testicular cancer. Ladies, check your breasts for breast cancer. Um, and then that that's all I got. We'll see you guys later. Toodles.